Are you familiar with the song by the pretenders called, as I pull up my notes, I'm going to be, parentheses, 500 miles? Ah, uh, yes. Mm, yes, indeed. Uh, very popular song. Very catchy song. Uh-huh. I heard it once in my youth, and then I was like, well, I guess the song will be stuck in my head for, checks notes, forever. Yeah, it's never stopped. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, like the song a lot. Very fun. Anytime okay, it comes on the radio... I'm like, oh my god, this is a jam. Everybody loves the song. People sing along to it. It's mm-hmm. something about like the high vocals and the like chorus. I think that really make it work, right? Oh yeah. Um, my complaint about this song though mm-hmm. is that the Proclaimers are Scottish, and they're using an American measurement of distance in oh, the wow. chorus and the title of the song, and it it really just shows how shameful it is to be. An American, ugly or otherwise, because if this were on the other foot and we were to write a song about, you know, metric measurements, uh-huh. I would be so lost. I'd be like, girl, I'd be willing to walk three meters for you. And I'd, I, w- I have no frame of reference. Uh, for I don't good. know. If, is that a lot? Is this good? Do you know what that is? Like, do... Do people outside of the U.S. know how far of a distance that is? Because, mm. like, do they know what 500 miles equates to? Oh, if they just heard the song, would they be like... Because I looked it up because I was mm-hmm. curious, and I think it's just more... It's a catchier, like, I would walk 500 miles instead of... I would walk 804.672 kilometers. You know, it's just... It's harder to say. I don't know, man. I think if you, you get like the right it? melody, if you get the right melody, it's gonna work. You That's know? true. But what if they're mm-hmm. trying to fit the melody they already had? You know? Oh, uh, yeah. Like I, I don't know how to work this in. You know? Maybe they were against it. You mm-hmm. know? Maybe they were like sticking to their like kilometer guns. Is it kilometers or kilometer? Kil- get kilometers. I think it's up to you, brother. Hey, man! I see a kilometer come on my ground. I'm a kilometer. You know what I'm saying? Hell uh-huh. yeah, dude. Oh. <laughs> that is so American. I think that would yeah. actually happen. Yeah. Yeah, this guy, I saw the one time I was outside my barn, and and, and this uh, measurement came up, and mm-hmm. I was like, I don't recognize you. You're not you're not American. Mm-hmm. You know? Get out of here, kilometers. Oh, 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 senor, I am from Alabama. <laughs> I said, hmm. I sound like no Bama man I ever heard in my dumb life. What in the hell? More like Louisiana, so, maybe. Mm-hmm. They could actually... <laughs> yeah. A little Cajun. <laughs> like James Bond. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Classic mm-hmm. James Bond, Cajun, mm-hmm. man. Yep. Yep. And there I was, sitting on my front porch, sipping on a mint tulip. <laughs> what? With my blue eyes and <laughs> whiff of English hair. <laughs> trying you... to solve a murder <laughs> from the kids' Stanfield. <laughs> When you did it that way, though, it was like, oh, that's just Daniel Craig and Knives Out. So, yeah, he is James mm-hmm. Bond. I think this is mm-hmm. actually kind of canon. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Didn't realize. That's what happens after that newest Bond movie. I haven't seen it yet. You haven't? No. Spoiler alerts. He turns oh, Cajun. I haven't, I haven't, <laughs> okay. I haven't seen it either, but I did look at the spoilers and yeah. Oh, you saw it. Okay. Yeah. At the end of it, he... <laughs> 
he takes off uh, this like uh, voice changing thing, like in the uh, Mission Impossible oh, movies. Oh yeah, he has a little uh, voice changer band aid. He takes off. Wow, and he's like, oh, sir, I'm glad to be done with that. <laughs> Doing that English voice really hurt my pops. It did. Oh yuck! It made me. It made me sound so stupid. Mm-hmm. I hated doing that accent. Sound very smart. <laughs> smart as Forrest Gump. Yes, I do. Yeah, mm-hmm. that dude. He's a smart cat. Mm-hmm. He invested you in that time we were early. on the. Remember that time we were on the terror table and we learned about Canada's Forrest Gump, and then we both immediately forgot his name. I don't remember this conversation. What are you talking about? <laughs> Canada's Forrest Gump? Yeah, they mentioned it on that episode that we nope, recorded. Totally nope. totally gone. Okay, cool. The recent episode we recorded? Yes. The one we were just on. <laughs> we were just on, yeah. Mm-mm. Episode 219 of Who's, the show. What show? We were on a show? Uh-huh. Man, I should really start paying attention when I'm on things. Nah, why start now? I. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a bad idea, mm-hmm. uh, but what I like about it is later on, I get to discover all kinds of interesting things about myself. <laughs> you like listen that. back yeah you listen to yourself like on the podcast like explain new information quote-unquote yeah. new information to yourself i've done that I'm before like, what a fact. man that was yeah. great i listened to some old pop culture catch-up episodes and just to like remember how we did it uh-huh. and i was like oh that's weird i didn't know that and i was like of course i knew that because <laughs> i just said it that was me that was I me saying that. those words Weird. You know, when you're a professional podcast host and you've done mm-hmm. over 222 episodes, mm-hmm. I mean, like, it's just kind of like, I don't know, sometimes you just wing it and learn mm-hmm. new information if you listen to it back later yourself, you know? Yeah, that's true. Plus, that's I don't true. I don't like to, I don't like what the, what are so-called facts mm-hmm. or, um, you know, I don't know, talking to smart people. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to talk to the dum-dums like you and, and forget what we said, you know, that's for my heart. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> All right. So anyway, mm-hmm. I agree though. 500 miles. It's way too far to walk. It's, uh, I guess my, my beef isn't with the amount of distance to, to go for love necessarily. It's just like, how do they know what that is? And I don't know where what anything else is you know what i'm saying like mm. i feel like i'm the type of uh liberal person that's uh willing to be like look all the rest of the world uses the metric system mm-hmm. maybe we should just convert to it so it's you know more of a one-to-one type of thing i'm like okay yeah that's the direction we need to go but then my next thought is like but if we did that i would be so lost with everything i don't know what I, like i would be speeding mm. down every road in my neighborhood because i'm like well it says to go eight thousand kilometers a mile or an like, hour or something some shit like i don't know, I don't what, know do. what this is <laughs> yeah i would lose track of time somehow as well you're like i can't convert i don't know what's <laughs> happening i would just i would just like pull up like a conversion thing on my phone and tape that over one of my <laughs> eyes essentially just so i have that at the ready at all times it's so futuristic it's it's incredibly futuristic in my head, that was like a what was the the Game Boy, like our Virtual Boy. Oh That's yeah, that big like, like yeah, that big ass red canister thing yeah. you would duct tape to your face. You got to carry it around with you though. That's what you're gonna have to have. It was on a stand. Like, yeah. It was so heavy you, you couldn't that. even strap it to your head. Mm-hmm. You put it on a stand. 
and it still sucked. <laughs> it still was bad. Yeah, it wasn't like, oh, it's so big and heavy and needs to be pointed in a computer. It's like, oh, no, it's just shitty and it has a tripod. Yeah. Not that great. Hey, kids, I do you want to see so some cool shit? Yeah, we do. Well, how about tennis instead? <laughs> oh, I guess. No, yeah, I guess it does play with the 3D aspect of it, but I don't know. I, don't I still know. would love to see one in person. I've never actually put my You've eyes on one. You've never seen one? Not like, no, I haven't put my eyes in some goggles, man. Oh, man. Just the commercial. Oh, yeah, so. now's the time, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Post-COVID, just look it up. Oh, yeah. Find someone on Craigslist, you know? Just anybody? Mm-hmm. Who's got a yeah, just boy? like uh, yeah, but make sure it's like heavily used, you know. Oh yeah, you want the, all those face germs all up in it. Um, growing up, my friend Adam had one, and I went over to his oh, house wow. and we played it. And like you, the way you, because you have to, it's on a stand, and you have to put it on something that's like tall enough for you to have that stand on. And mm-hmm. I don't remember the stand being that adjustable. It wasn't like telescopic, so yeah. it's like whatever size. It was is what it was, and then the the counter you set it on had to be like enough to where whenever you put your face up to it, you're not straining your neck by mm-hmm. either having to sit up like way too high or scrunch down way too low. So that was a challenge in and of itself. And then, uh, yeah, the game's not being um, good or fun was another. <laughs> That's a challenge. You could say yeah, that's a challenge. That, you know, it's it's a curveball in the gaming for fun department. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there was a baseball game that had a curveball in it, but you really couldn't tell because the sprites were so small or, or like janky. Mm-hmm. And so it had to tell you like, oh, that was a curveball. And you're like, oh, cool, mm-hmm. man, this game, this game is great. Yeah, you had to really like gaslight yourself into enjoying it. Right. I remember playing a, a <laughs> boxing a boxing game and I was like, oh, this is cool. But then when I think back on it, I was like, wait, I don't remember having fun at the time playing it. <laughs> it was just frustrating. And, uh, yeah, you just didn't have the heart to tell Adam. You're like, you wasted your Santa Claus gift on this. And, um, mm-hmm. man, it sucks, but it's pretty badass, right guys? It's pretty just bad. The, no- the novelty of seeing something in 3d mm. was a wild experience back then. And now I'm like, oh yeah, life is in 3d. I just, I don't care. <laughs> I, oh, that's right. I don't care about that. At I don't all. really, uh, I don't really <laughs> yeah. care. But have you watched avatar on a virtual boy? Cause that's like, you know, a whole different That's what experience. I'm holding out for. I actually mm-hmm. haven't seen that movie at all. So I'm waiting for it to be released on the uh, the Virtual Boy cut. You yeah, know? the VBC. I keep writing to Warner Brothers, uh, despite Fox holding the license and Fox now being owned by Disney. Mm-hmm. But I'm still holding out. I'm like, man. Yeah. I've seen Space Jam 2. I think Bugs Bunny can pull off anything. If he got that movie made, mm, there's a chance Avatar can come to Virtual Boy. Man, I love I, I think, you know, James Cameron is all about like pushing the medium forward mm-hmm. and, and trying new things. So at this point, you know, I think it's like necessary. Plus, mm-hmm. you know, he I don't know anybody in that field that that honors and respects what came before them. You know, the 3D movies of yesteryear, they're mm-hmm. going to want to honor that system as well, you know, and really mm-hmm. deliver all the quality it can it can muster. So mm-hmm. we'll have to talk about it maybe, to, but that's OK. All you have to do is just receive a shipment of 678 cartridges of virtual boy oh, man. discs essentially and just go through them one by one to watch that full oh, movie that's, that's pretty easy mm-hmm. so just, yeah. Like, yeah okay so because that's a pretty long movie yes yeah, so they split it up a bunch mm-hmm. but you get a, like a good experience out of that because you know what you get to do when you're changing the cartridges you get to go get some mountain dew you know you get to go in the toilet 
Mm-hmm. You get to um, get some cheese puffs. You can do whatever you want. I'm just saying, like, it's like a built-in break. Yeah. Because you're on that table for so long, mm-hmm. you know, looking at the virtual boy, and you can't move. And so that, that way you get a break in there. So it's really, like, it's kind of nice. That was the other thing, is you had to be, it was, like, corded as well. Oh, Like, it imagine. wasn't battery-powered. Yeah. So the virtual boy had to be plugged into a space that mm-hmm. had access to a wall jack. So uh, sometimes that was a stretch back in the day. You know, to have like yeah. um, the availability to put that where you wanted it or where that would be the most comfortable to like play it or whatever. That's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. You have to make sure <clears throat> that it's comfortable, that it's that you want to play with it, mm-hmm. that it's lubed up, mm-hmm. that it's on a table and in in eyesight. Mm-hmm. All of those things are necessary for any safe play. Hey man, I just bought this new uh, virtual board game. It's called uh, Battle Plugs. You ever played this? Oh wow, no, I haven't Hell played yeah, that. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah, dude. Now when you see the jewel sparkle, <laughs> <laughs> that's when you know it's ready for a pummeling. So it's kind of like uh, pin the tail of the donkey scenario. A little bit, but like you know. It's it's kind of like opening a bottle of wine if you know oh, what I'm saying. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a twofer. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that I I didn't do the first one properly. It was that there are, there are two, mm-hmm. uh, not buttholes, but um, wine bottles in this scenario. <laughs> you call it what you want, man. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> You know those uh, those like treasure trolls back in the day that had the they were like mm. naked except they had the jewel in yeah. their belly and then you know the long hair of course but like it, is that weird for people to like have these butt plugs with these bedazzled jewels on them and then they look yeah. back in time and they're like oh like, I like this second. because of treasure trolls I feel like you're making a connection I've never made before and it's great uh, it's one of those things that we all grew up with and then it's like oh man why are we interested in this now mm-hmm. there you go that's the connection. I would love it if you pull out that butt plug <laughs> and there's a tuft of hair on the inside. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. It matches the jewel. Hell yeah. Blue sparkles on the outside. Nice blue. Just a deep cyan color. Fur on the inside. No, I'm not sniffing it. No. No, I would not do that. Hell no. Disgusting. I'll yeah, save I'll it for later. It, but yeah. like, you know what? <laughs> I know freak, dude. <laughs> well, I think on a, uh, us not being freaks, I think that's uh-huh. a good note to start. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and jump in and say we're doing it. I'm Steven. I'm Brent. Well, I'm sorry as well. <laughs> that was gross. I'm sorry. We ruined your breakfast. Welcome to Let's Talk About Stuff, where uh, mm-hmm. the stuff we're talking about today is uh, trolls and butts, I suppose. That's right. Yeah. Um, trolls and butts. <laughs> yeah. But those that bejeweled. The jewels of Uh their navels are the jewels in the butts of our future. So, Mm. just like Eisenhower said. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Wow, what company? Um, But yeah, so today, a little bit later on, we're going to jump into some talk. As people know from the title, we are doing "Nevermind" by Nirvana. 
their mm-hmm. uh, sophomore album. I found out. I actually thought that was their first album, um, mm-hmm. just because it was the one that I knew the most, I guess, from them. But um, their sophomore yeah. album that uh, stormed the fucking world and was amazing. So we're gonna talk about that today mm-hmm. because it's the anniversary of that as well. Thirtieth, um, is that right? Uh, yes, thirtieth. Wow, nineteen ninety one. What a year. What a year. What? <laughs> I, otherwise, I have nothing to say about 1991. Uh-huh. Barely remember it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so we'll get into that uh, a little bit later. But um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about that with you. But first, we're going to do a few little mini topics as well. And uh, I believe before the show, we decided I was going to go first. So stop talking, Brent. It's my turn. Stop it. Thank you. All right, good. Now that he's now that he's gone. Um, so one, I wanted to mention. Whenever you're ready, go ahead. Oh, God damn it, Brent! Every take, it's like, I'm why do you do this? Why? I don't know. I'm leaving this in this time. People are gonna okay. hear the fights that go on behind the scenes. All right. Okay. Fuck. I hate when you do that. All right. Don't. No. Can do not back? turn around. Do no. I? I do not want to see that jewel. <laughs> it's no. You know I get mesmerized. That is not. Oh. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Look at it. Okay. Wow, that is that is quite sparkly, sir. Staring to the abyss, Stephen. <laughs> um, I'm afraid of, uh, of those. By the way, so it's like a, mm-hmm. I was afraid to get my ears pierced, so I had the clip on. I got like a, I just got like you had a clip on earrings. Yeah, I just got like a press on from my butt though. Oh, I couldn't go okay. all the way in. But you can get like <laughs> press on ones. Yeah, they give you the look on the outside without mm-hmm. the uncomfortable feeling on the inside. You know. Just yeah. saying it's out there. It's a product. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, we're going to make one. It's going to say LTAS on it. Look, <laughs> we're bringing them back. Uh, the aforementioned my friend Adam also had clip-on earrings uh, as well. They were like uh, magnetic, I believe, is oh, the, man. the ones he had. He eventually got like plugs, like actual earrings. But He got pierced? Uh-huh. Yeah. Man, that freak. Mm-hmm. Love that guy. Um, yeah. I, don't, I didn't have my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a fun topic. I didn't have my own, but uh, clip-on earrings, but... I did fashion one one time because it was really popular to get ears pierced uh, back in like the early to mid 90s. And I wanted mine pierced because a bunch of my friends just had like a simple little hoop, you know, small, small thing. But I wanted it on my right ear, which at the time, so fucking stupid. People were like, well, that means you're gay. And I I don't understand that. I don't understand it Mm -hmm. at all. And I was like, I didn't want it on my left ear. And my parents were like, you can get a piercing when you drive yourself to go at it. And by that time, I didn't want one. Right. That was their whole goal. They fucking won. Yeah. But also wait it out. Yeah. Yeah, Wait for you to get bored. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, you're not going to want this Mm -hmm. when you're 16. And I certainly didn't. Um, But yeah, I'd made one out of some metal, uh, like a little hoop. And I would like try it on different ears and be like, yeah. And it hurt. It was like still sharp and it hurt my ear. Just mm-hmm. like putting it on there, but I was a dumb kid and I was like, this is fine. So anyway, I have no more ears left because uh tetanus, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. worth it. You know. Uh-huh. There's nothing to pierce there now. So just get it out of there. But um I assume you had multiple piercings though from a young age, is that correct? Uh I've never been pierced by anything. <laughs> Not even bullets when I deserved it. Well, that was just one time, and I mm-hmm. I think that old man actually deserved it more. Well, look, uh, to be fair to him, he did tell me to stay out of the hen house. And I was like, I don't know. I like these eggs. <laughs> I don't know so where fresh. I was going to go. I was scared this for a second. Is, mm, I'm a little foxy boy. Mm. You, just, you, go, you, you act like a fox and, and go steal chicken's eggs from them? Mm-hmm. I dress like a wolf, but I say I'm a fox. It's, I can see where he would be confused. He's yeah. like, this, something seems off about this. Otherwise, totally normal for 
for this mostly grown adult man <laughs> yeah. who's speaking English to me, walking on two legs. <laughs> Eating raw eggs. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. Shell and all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Disgusting. Yeah. Well, I don't like to waste food. You really don't. You would do that, no. actually, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. You sick freak. I, I prefer it, actually. Yeah, you would. Yeah. Oh, man, you just get into that shell. Ooh, give me that shell. You like the crunch. Hey, hey, man, have you ever had the crunch of an egg in your <laughs> mouth? Oh, it's like eating a handful of fingernails. <laughs> Plus, you get that, and then inside, you get to pop that little packet of mm-hmm. egginess inside. With your teeth. Would you ever eat an eyeball? <laughs> I suppose related, but wow, what a what a turn. Um, no, yeah. no. That, that's what I've heard from people is like on um, uh, the Anthony Bourdain uh, like travel mm. food show or whatever. Uh-huh. He's mentioned that before. Um, wait, is that Anthony Bourdain or uh, uh, <laughs> I want to say Hans Zimmer, but uh, Andrew Zimmerman is who I'm thinking of. Like oh, the, watch the on Zimmer, guy. though, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he can dunk, uh, can dunks, uh, conducts a <laughs> symphony while eating weird food. Oh, what a fuck it, I'm abandoning it. Uh, anyway. You're like, I don't uh, even care about this drug. Yeah, Zimmerman does, like, the weird fucking foods and stuff. Yeah, yeah of, yeah, like, yeah. different places or whatever. But it's, like, normal to wh- whatever culture he's mm-hmm. in. And uh, I've seen him, like, go through and, like, eat an eyeball. And he talks about how they, like, Ugh. pop on your mouth or whatever. Ugh. Yeah. I'm going shiver just thinking about it. Yeah, I have a weird thing with foods, though, you know, and textures and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, well, um, eyeballs, not for me. Would you rather uh, eat an eyeball mm-hmm. of an animal or. Uh, <laughs> or lick the back zit Ugh. of. Uh, um. Fuck, it left my brain. Uh, <laughs> you were so excited about it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I got excited about how fucking disgusting it was. Uh, I was talking about, um, uh, was it Weinberg? No. <sighs> the Miramax guy. Oh. Uh, Weinstein. Weinstein. There so we I go. To, okay, would I rather eat an eyeball mm-hmm. or lick a back zit on Harvey Weinstein? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, it sounds like I'm chowing down some eyeballs soon. Yep, there you go. Because that's See? what I'm trying. Not so bad in that scenario, right? So, yeah, it's like, it's all about context then is what you're saying? Mm-hmm. I think they were like quarter or dime size blackheads or something. What? Yeah. <laughs> is this a real thing? That's, that's what was reported, yeah. Oh, that's disgusting. Mm-hmm. There's like too much going on in this conversation. It really freaks me out. Yeah. So anyway. Again, enjoy your breakfast, listeners. I know, again, um, let's just stick with this. <laughs> it's not intentional. It just happens, you know? Sometimes it's where we go. I don't know. It's just where our minds go. Well, uh, yeah, so I'm going to jump into a few mini topics then. Is that cool with you? Sure. All right. So Disney Plus had their mm-hmm. Disney Plus day recently. I think we yeah. briefly mentioned it. They had some like trailers or, or first looks at things, whatever, and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Announced some things coming out. But um, the, I guess that same day, as far as I understood it, they, they finally released some movies that they had had on their like premium access. Where it was like 30 bucks to, to rent or whatever, or 20 bucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I watched a couple things. So one, I mentioned to you in text, you and I are going to try in January to uh, tag team the movie Shang-Chi mm-hmm. um, and review that because I finally got to watch that. So I'm excited for that. So um, December looks like we have a few things lined up already as well that we're, we're planning. So maybe January we'll get into a little more of the MCU talk. But um, yeah, it was uh, enjoyable, I'll say, to, to finally watch that movie at home. And okay. then um, they had another movie out called Jungle Cruise. 
the oh, one with yeah. the the rock and what's her face um from that movie <laughs> you know yeah yeah you know you mm-hmm. got her uh emily smoking blunt oh man mm-hmm. yeah i'll smoke a blunt with her for sure mm-hmm. um yeah so jungle cruise it was on there um amanda's parents that we're staying with right now because our, our house had caught on fire recently and stuff so we're with them and we hang out with them as, as you know as much as we can or whatever but we also like to do our own thing and sometimes we eat dinner with them sometimes we watch movies with them sometimes we don't and this night I, we were thinking about watching it so we invited them up to watch it with us too and it was right up their alley because um her family and, and all of us really like to watch like the mummy and the mummy 2 the mummy returns mm-hmm. or whatever um that type of adventure film is what jungle cruise is kind of going for or whatever mm-hmm. and um so we put it on we had a good time watching it um it wasn't my favorite um have you seen this yet jungle cruise no it's on our our uh, watch list but no i've not okay. seen it yet gotcha so i mean i love the rock he's charming as fuck and he's really mm-hmm. grown on me over time and stuff and so many movies he's in he's like the biggest movie star in the world right now which is amazing and then um emily blunt um is just fucking great and she really did fill the role out with you know the action and stuff like she she could really like do all that kind of stuff and felt like a the independent woman that they were going for you know and doing her own adventures and stunts and whatever that kind of thing but um overall the movie it just felt like it was a good family movie i think if i had kids and stuff it'd be like this mm-hmm. is wholesome entertainment kind of harkens back harkens back to uh you know indiana jones or what indiana jones was harkening back to as well with like old serials and stuff and uh adventure movies but um it was a little lacking it didn't quite feel like the mummy or it was a little too polished i guess everything looked a little too fake Mm -hmm. you know like um overall like the effects were good but they were clearly like cgi like you know everything everything around them is like that leaf is cgi because everything's cgi and yeah um it's very noticeable so that that was what really hit me the most but uh we had a good time watching it It was it was pretty fun And, and now that it's out for free I'm really glad that I didn't pay like 20 or 30 bucks to uh, mm-hmm. to rent that as well, because yeah. that that would have been kind of like I there's something about that that would taint the experience, I guess, you know, yeah. and, uh, and not make it as much fun. But but overall, I you know, it was it was kind of a fun adventure movie. Definitely recommend it for any kind of families and stuff. Uh, if you can get access to Disney Plus, it's it's easy that way. So um i overall recommend that one um just don't you know look for too much out of it and then um last night amanda and i were looking for something to watch and we stumbled across a movie we used to watch a whole lot and haven't seen in a while um called teaching mrs tingle from 1999 Hmm. um do you remember that movie did you ever watch that one i remember the name i I can't picture like the actors in it or whatever i think i think i saw it back in the day but i I have no recollection of like what the actual movie is yeah, that's interesting, um, because this is one that I feel like doesn't get talked about as much from that kind of era. And I, I mentioned on our show and the Terry Table recently about watching The Rage, Carrie 2, and mm-hmm. it also was like a 1998 or 99 movie. Wait, so that you remember, but not Canadian <laughs> Forrest Gump? Hmm. Interesting. It's because we talked about it twice. Oh, uh, okay. Anytime okay. I talk about anything twice, I still don't remember. Anyway, I remember this for some <laughs> reason. But um, I talked about like the, that era of like horror movies after Scream, and and this one isn't quite a horror movie. It's um, teaching Mrs. Tingle's more of like a, a suspense at best, thriller sort of thing, drama comedy. I don't know. It's like a teen teen film, right? But it's uh, specifically direct, you know, related to like Scream, and I know what you did last summer because it is not only written by Kevin Williamson, who wrote those, but this was his directorial debut, and it is the only movie he has directed okay. uh, before or since. So, um, it, it Because holds, it's so, yeah. so good. He's yeah, like, so I good, fucking yeah. nailed it the first time. For me, and the, what I liked about it, being a teenager in that era, and it has Katie Holmes in it, um, who is, like, especially in the era, was, like, smoking hot, 
and great and everything. This was like Dawson's Creek era uh, when she did like disturbing behavior. Um, it has uh, Helen Mirren as the the titular Mrs. Tingle, wow. and she's okay. fantastic. Um, it has a lot of good people in it, like Vivica Fox, Molly Ringwald, Jeffy Tambor, even though he's kind of weird now, I guess. Um, in the movie, he was good and stuff. But um, the uh, it, you know, it's like a typical like teen movie and everything. I I think for for me and Amanda, it still held up. There was a lot of there was like a feeling to this movie. It's like it, we we watched it because it was like a kind of like a fall you know autumn movie. And mm-hmm. it fit that role or whatever. It has like this. It's all filmed in California, but it has this kind of like New England sort of vibe to it that uh, like the, with the architecture and just the way it's shot and everything that just kind of feels like it was a good watch for right now. And it's available right now on at least in America on uh, Amazon Prime. So it was it was free to watch. And that was that was easy and everything. But um, it was also weird because it was released in 99. And I remember uh, some controversy about it. So I was looking it up last night. It was originally titled Killing Mrs. Tingle. And oh. it was supposed to be released in the spring or summer of 99, but Columbine, oh, the shooting, yeah. happened April 20th of 99. So this movie ended up getting retitled to Teaching Mrs. Tingle and got moved to August 20th, 1999. So it must have... I, I could never find a, a, the original re- release date that it was supposed to happen, but it must have been right around that time. So mm-hmm. uh, last night, I ended up looking at the Wikipedia article for the Columbine shooting which was way crazier than I remembered. I was really young when that happened and everything, but uh, it was a weird, weird era to think about all the movies that I love from that that time, and then this one, and it's like, oh. Mm-hmm. Like, that had a real-life connection uh, that's weird or whatever. So um, I don't recommend going to read about the Columbine shooting. It is very difficult to read through. Mm-hmm. But um, this movie, you know, despite all that controversy and stuff, had nothing really to do with killing the teacher at all like it's it's more about like kidnapping mrs tingle essentially it's just like they get a couple kids get caught about to cheat on a test and this teacher's kind of a bitch anyway and they go to like talk her out of it and then end up sort of knocking her out and deciding to tie her up and then it like snowballs into this thing where they're like they've kidnapped her and they have to figure out what to do and all this stuff and Mm -hmm. um so it's not even like it has nothing to do with school shootings or anything like that but um it's more it's it's less horror and more just that Kevin Wayne, kind of vibe, like the dialogue is not quite as sharp as scream or something like that, but, mm-hmm. uh, it still has all those same kind of tropes and the, the young actors and stuff from TV shows that were around then, you know, filling the roles and stuff. But, uh, overall I, I like teaching Mrs. Tingle. I've, I've always really liked it and it was fun to rewatch it again. And, um, Amanda and I had, had, you know, when we met, it was like right a few years after this, a couple years after this. And so we've watched this for a long, long time and, uh, just hadn't been, it hadn't in a while, so it was fun to, to kind of rewatch that again. But uh, we'll see if we keep that in the rotation or not. So, um, is it uh, something you would recommend to other people? Uh, I think Con- so. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, I, for like you specifically, I'm like, mm-hmm. eh, I think you could probably take it or leave it. It's like yeah. so nostalgic for me. It doesn't really stand okay. out in that era mm-hmm. so much as just like a standalone good movie. I, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a lot of people, I think it has like a terrible Rotten Tomatoes score. But like for me, I was like, this is great. Like I at that era, I was like 14. I didn't know better. I was just like, all of these are Scream. Scream is amazing. Mm-hmm. These are all amazing. And it's <laughs> yeah. like I've grown up and been like Scream is amazing. The rest mm-hmm. of them are not. Yeah. Uh, and this kind of falls in that camp more. But, you know, overall, mm-hmm. I'd say if you like movies from that era, just like the Rage Carry 2 was like I turned it off at first and then I, I'm glad I finished it because it ended up being so bonkers. But it was like just mm-hmm. as a completionist from that era of like horror movies and the spinoff or not spinoffs, but the things that were like 
kind of mimicking scream and everything like that it's like yeah, yeah it's good for that kind of reason mm-hmm. okay so, fair yeah. enough that yeah i wasn't selfishly i was not asking for other people i was just like what i like, like just even but i did yeah, yeah do you, what, do you, what do you think if you're like you a kevin me. williamson completionist especially this is the only directed movie like that's kind of interesting when a, oh, when a writer does that you know perfect so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love his whole filmography the one movie yeah good. it's so good <laughs> yeah but his other writing stuff i like you know and so it was oh, interesting I, don't to see in, him. I don't believe in writing i don't <laughs> i don't because the people uh, have to read it and this is you know I'm this, it. Yeah, it, this movie in particular was based on a book as well, Brent. So, oh my god, you probably want to stay worse. away from it just for that. <sighs> to it's be worse honest, than I thought. I know. I worse know. Than I'm I sorry. Thought. I'm sorry. Speaking of based on a book, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I watched a limited series, like a docu series on Paramount Plus, that's based on a book. Oh, no, uh, I watched a uh, docu series called. From Cradle to Stage, featuring one Mr. David Grohl from oh. The Foo Fighters and Nirvana. And uh, if you've not heard of this series, it's, uh, it's, it's like I said, it's based on a book that uh, he and his mother, like, co-wrote. Um, I think they co-wrote. Maybe she wrote it about him. Whatever the fucking case. Uh, she definitely <laughs> had a part in the writing of the book. <laughs> but it was her essentially talking to the moms of other uh, musicians mm. and uh, getting their stories about uh, the artist growing up and then also like that's pretty what great part you played in that and how you dealt with them touring and you know their level of success and everything the series is six episodes again it's on paramount plus here in the states um the uh, each episode focuses on a different uh, musician along with their mother and then uh throughout all six episodes it tells the story of dave grohl's journey from being a, a, a musician like in his home going to play for the band Scream, then Nirvana, mm-hmm. and then eventually Foo Fighters, and, you know, kind of up through there. Um, the different episodes feature Dan Reynolds from Imagine Dragons, Pharrell Williams, Miranda Lambert, Brandy Carlisle, Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine, Audio Slave, etc., and then Getty Lee from Rush. Um, I'll be honest with you. Uh, as I was going through this, I was looking at the different uh, people on the episodes. I was familiar with every single one of them, except for Brandy Carlisle. I was like, I was who is this yeah. person? Uh, you don't know? Okay, good. <laughs> no, I do. I was like, damn. Because I'm, I, look, I'm married to one Brandy. Like, what do mm-hmm. I have yeah. for use of another? It's like, mm-hmm. I have, mm-hmm. I know one. I don't, I don't She's a fine have girl. two of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then I'm like, I guess I'll look into this. Like, the, I'd some up and comer, right? <laughs> she'd been around for quite some time, yeah. uh, but she's like a country musician. And yeah, she had a say, very, her music might not be your thing, but you yeah. might know something if you've heard it. Cause she's been like, her music said like TV shows and stuff. So the thing that stood out is, uh, I guess she came out as like gay, like a while back. Mm-hmm. And I remember like hearing something about some country, like female country artist that came out as gay or whatever. Gotcha. I was like, Oh, okay. So that was her. But then like my brain shut off from, from there. <laughs> yeah. Um, cause country music, I don't, I don't really care. Like I, mean, yeah, Lambert, I, I know just because, uh, at the time my wife like listened to like some of her, stuff or whatever Mm -hmm. but um otherwise yeah it it was very interesting to hear everyone talk about their mothers in such a a loving way and how supportive their families were particularly their their mothers and um the mothers talk about the success of their children and yada 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 but it was very interesting um if you like 
seeing the building blocks and behind the scenes type of stuff for musicians and how they make their music and what they're inspired by, what their uh, childhood lives were like. I think that's something that people can check out. Uh, like I said in a previous episode, I was a big fan of the Behind the Music series on VH1, mm-hmm. and this is uh, playing a few of those those notes, I think. So it's a good itch to scratch. Man, that sounds great. I don't think I've ever heard of that book or this series, like this TV show and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but that sounds, I would like, I would read that book. I know you wouldn't, but um, that sounds great to me, and the show sounds great too. Uh, okay, sorry, yeah. Maybe you didn't hear. They made a TV show. <laughs> So you don't. You don't have to read. The you book. don't have to read the book. Huh. It's fortunately for you uh-huh. and other people. They've made a TV show, so D- shut don't your even worry off. about it. Just yeah, right if, into if it. If you find yourself out at a bookstore, mm-hmm. just go ahead and just like <laughs> shove those book, just like shove them off the shelf. Somebody yeah. will be by to pick them up. That's they. That's how they keep their jobs, right? Okay. Um, they Smart. you let the the staff come by and pick it up. Uh, obviously, <laughs> not at all a sociopathic way to treat of workers in the whatever industry. Yeah. Should I grab one of the books and go up to the counter and say, do you have this on DVD? Is that like <laughs> yeah. a good option? Yeah. Or you can uh, put on some uh, non-lensed glasses, you know, frames only. Uh-huh. Like, actually, do you have this like, do you have this like VHS or like LaserDisc? <laughs> like, um, what format do you have there? Like, can I rent a virtual boy? Can I watch this on Virtual Boy? Like, that's how I, that's, no, that's how I watch because everything. weird because, like, I know James Cameron, and he's, like, going to send me 678 Virtual Boy discs to, like, watch this one. So, weird. Huh. So, Avatar is popular enough to have Virtual Boy release, but not this new show. Okay. Um, this bookstore this sucks. The, this is the worst Borders I've been to in forever. You guys should shut down. What's that? They've been shutting down for quite some time. I've been at Whole Foods. I'm sorry. My bad. My bad. Can I have? Can I buy these gummies? Do you, are these, do you have are there this? Weed in, there's not weed in them. Never mind. I made a. I made a huge mistake. I'm just. I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna go. Do you have this book an organic DVD? Then I don't. I just don't know what you want from me. I just want the DVD so I can watch it on my Virtual Boy. So. Farm raised. I don't care. <laughs> Whatever you got. Oh, look, man. Hey, if you're not if you're not getting a hold of these farm raised DVDs, what are you doing with your life, man? Hell yeah. Um, yeah, that that show sounds amazing. Um, I really like the idea of it, and I like most of those people. Even I think that kind of show too. Even like I'm not a huge like Miranda Lambert. Is that the one you said the the other country person on there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm not, I know her and I know some of her songs, but I'm not a huge fan. But I find sometimes whenever you watch like a documentary about their lives or especially if they're interviewing their parents and stuff like you're like oh i don't even care for this person's music but they're super charming and just the fact that anybody makes it on anything is pretty great and that Mm -hmm. people like you know their families would be excited and had tried to to help them along the way and everything so all of it sounds kind of neat i'll have to check that out what was that streaming on what'd you say paramount plus paramount plus yes yeah it's a a a paramount plus exclusive show or original show or whatever but uh yeah, which one's Paramount? That's not the one that had Halloween Kills on it, right? Was that Peacock? That was Peacock. Yeah, there's so many now. So that was the P I was getting out of that. Uh huh. Yeah, I was really working hard it, for that P. I, yeah, working super hard for but it. I can't. Uh, I think they came out around the same time as well. Yeah, Paramount mm-hmm. Plus has what like Star Trek on it, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Star Trek. Um, <laughs> it has um, Star Wars. Does it have Star Wars? On no. It? Oh, no. that's. That's on Fox. Got it. 
Yeah. Fox Plus. Uh, Fox Plus. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> Look, my brain has, has moved on to other things. That's all right. We can move on as yeah. well. Because that's all the mini topics we had today, right? Well, I was going to say, like, the, the, the cool thing is that with um, this the series, you get to see, you know, like when I was growing up, I feel like, and maybe this happens with every generation, but I feel like with our generation growing up, all of the different musical genres were to be kept separate. You mm. like this type of music. Like I grew up liking, uh, well, I was going to say metal, but like hard rock, new metal, that that type of thing. Mm. And that was my my main area of focus. You know, I like some like pop punk and that type of thing as well. Mm. Um, growing up in the the mid to, to late 90s. Um, and then it was there was like a, a big thing like if you like that type of music you can't like any music from like any pop star or whatever you can mm. yeah there's some like crossover with like rap and hip hop but even that era of music was different for that genre yeah um, whereas on the series you get to see that Dave Grohl it's like fucking friends with everyone man like right? it doesn't matter and it's so like heartwarming it's like yeah you don't it, it should just be how people are like you can come from different walks of life you can have different interests but or like different ways you work on your art and like put that out there, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that uh, you have to erect a, a, a dividing line or a, a wall to um, to separate yourself from other people. You can just like get together and commiserate and you know communicate that way. It's yep, fun for sure. It's fun. I had a good time watching it. Okay, I, I would recommend it to you if you are a fan of teaching Mrs. Tingle. <laughs> I don't. Maybe this isn't. Maybe this isn't your thing. I don't know. But I would say it's it's a fun show, and we all were having a good time wearing beige in my living space without furniture. That's great. Watching this on a tube television. That sounds... We liked it. It was good. Okay. Did you... During this, you were eating um, your favorite snack to, to, to watch TV shows? Ice with. water chips. Yeah, it was good. Ice water chips mm-hmm. and um, salting and crackers without salt. Is that right? Yeah, I would, you know, I have an upset tummy. I didn't want to get too crazy with it. That's smart. Mm-hmm. And you, and you butt funnel the uh, a ginger ale. Is that right? Yeah, but that's just to bypass the liver. I don't want the flavor <laughs> of ginger getting in my mouth. <laughs> it's too spicy for me. You you love that butt flavor though, ginger. You know, butt flavor is a little bit different. Once you get yeah. the troll fur in there, it really absorbs uh, some of the uh, nutrients <laughs> and uh, really plays a weird effect. On your taste buds. That's true. The butt taste buds. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's Very true. plain ass guy, but loves furry <laughs> troll head <laughs> ass plug. Is it, is it, mm. Do you have the scratch and sniff variety? <laughs> hey, man, if you're not careful, any butt plug could be a scratch and sniff. You know what I'm you know saying? What I'm saying? Hey. Yeah, you fuck up the, the paint job on your walls real quick. Oh, man. All right. So yeah. mm-hmm. you want to jump into the main topic then? Yeah, let's do it. We can do it for sure. For Hell yeah, dude. Yes. All right. So, yeah, we are reviewing Nirvana's 30th anniversary album. Never mind. Mm-hmm. It came out in 1991. I believe I read down the date for this. I think it's September 24th, 1991 is when this came out. And um, I want to start off by saying, by the way, mm-hmm. I, I would not have thought this this came out in 91. Um I thought this came out like 92, 93. 
I kind of like Nirvana in my head. I was so young then, I guess, and I knew of them, and everybody did, right? But mm-hmm. I think I, I, when I was looking back at their albums and the songs that I knew, and trying to figure out which, you know, which albums they came from and stuff, I was like, oh, I, I think I, I mixed this one up and their next album kind of together. Like all those songs are like in one year in my head, and mm-hmm. uh, and anyway, like it's such a short amount of time that they made such huge waves uh, and all of yeah. pop culture and all the world. It's so crazy. Even so, you know, from like 1990 to 1994, basically, where it was just like this moment in time that just changed the world. And uh, it's been really interesting to re-listen to this album. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to talk to you and get your thoughts on it today, Brent. And mm-hmm. um, we are not having anybody call in today, though. We are not talking about this with our fans. We had to just shut off the phone lines. Nobody's allowed to call in. It's just you and me mm-hmm. for once getting our thoughts out there to the world, you know? It's an intimate setting. Oh, you mm-hmm. might you might say that Brent and I both have two virtual boys back to back. We got one strand of spaghetti and we're about to chew that sucker and find out where we go. Yeah, but it's not as gross as you think. It's with our butts, obviously, of <laughs> yeah, course. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You ever seen you ever seen two dogs with their butts stuck together? Yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah, but I've never seen like two people with their butts stuck together. And I'm like. I look at some wild porn, and I've not mm, seen that. Like, you've been waiting for it. You've been looking for it. I've looked through China's stuff. I've looked through wow. Germany's stuff. I was like, oh, my God. can't tell you how many eels I've seen involved in this mess. <laughs> but no- <laughs> Did you look at North Korean stuff? Because that shit's crazy. Oh, my God. That's what I'm missing. Yeah, that's what you're missing. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like I'm tired of the Internet at this point. I'm just going to go directly to the source. I think it'll be fine. Yeah, good luck with that. Uh, avert your I, eyes as I much hear- as possible. Mm-hmm. I hear they have a nice, friendly uh, citizenship over there. Yeah, everything's really nice mm-hmm. over there. Yeah, yeah, I, that's what I've heard mostly. And it's, it's like when your leader doesn't have a butthole, like everything's pretty nice. Mm-hmm. So no troll like, for him, you know. I was gonna say, like, what do you guys do with all of your butt plugs? That, like, where do you even put that? That's why he invented the stick on. He had nowhere to put it. Oh, so he's okay. actually the one that created that. That's why I got it because I was scared to put it in. But he doesn't even have an, an in. Mm. to put it so he just like puts it on his ass yeah meat Mm -hmm. yeah it's like yeah he has no butthole but does he have a butt crack i've never i don't know the logistics of this for him specifically that's a good point yeah because Hmm. yeah i I, hmm. which came people say like which came first the chicken or the egg which came first the butthole or the butt cheeks yeah like they're kind of integral together but like one has to come first I've, I would think that, like, you have individual cheeks that lead to a butthole, right? Mm-hmm. It's telling a story, right? Yep. You got one cheek that leads to a crack that leads to a butthole. Mm-hmm. However, if you had just... Ugh, I don't like this <laughs> mental image, but I'm going to say it. If you had just, just like, an uh, uh, ass, like a, a flat like slab a, of Like a cone head. On your, yeah. Kind of. Yeah. But it's like where your ass would be, except there's no crack, but there's just like a butthole. Oh, no crack, but just a hole. Ooh, I, don't, yeah. I do not like that. No. Mm-mm. And it sounds like it'd be really hard to to not, you know, get that on things. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're a tag team mm-hmm. thing. So, yeah, to answer your question, yeah, um, Kim Jong-un has, he's just got, he's just flat back there, but with the. Well, I guess he doesn't have a butthole, right? A shiny sticker, though. 
is the sticker yeah a scratch and sniff sticker so it's just like back to legs with a scratch and sniff <laughs> bejeweled sticker yeah in the center yeah, yeah. okay there we go Hell task cannon yeah Possibly that's great we got there. real life cannon as that's well true yeah that is mm-hmm. all true um mm-hmm. we're totally gonna get hacked now but that's Eltas cannon that's north korean cannon yep and honestly that's pocketbell's cannon as well oh wow indeed mm-hmm. Hey, we're talking about music, wow. son. Hey, yeah. that's right. You, we are, mm-hmm. we are. Uh, getting back to that, this, this. Did you ever hear his rap album? No, I didn't. You didn't hear when he became Tupac Bell? Okay. <laughs> man, rest in peace, man. Oh, rest in power, King. Oh man. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of other kings to rest in power, mm-hmm. we got uh, Biggie Smalls. Yes. Uh huh. And then, um, but also on the topic at hand. We've got Mozart. Mozart also passed away. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people knew that. Oh my God. He's he, also gone. He was so young. Too soon. 1700 years ago or whenever yeah. the fuck he died. I like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> when did he die? Was it Thursday? Or was it I don't know. Several millennium ago. Maybe he's still alive. I've never actually oh, met probably. him. Oh, like, like Pac is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, with Elvis. Um, okay, if um, Mozart is dead, how come he still puts out music? Okay. Have you heard his mixtape? He's dropping, like, modern references on his notes. He's playing A. He's playing B. He's playing B sharp. Wow. Mm-hmm. Man, he's getting sharp up in there, for sure. He does not play C. Because, like John Cena, you know see me. Right? That's that, the subtext yeah. there. He's playing D, E, Classic F, G. Mozart. He's working on an H from what I heard. Whoa. He could just be whoa. slamming heroin. I don't know. We don't know. <laughs> He's chasing the horse. So Mozart does heroin is also canon now? I mean, you know. Yeah. Could and be. currently does heroin. Not used to. Uh-huh. He's still alive. He's yeah. still a heroin addict. Well, that's what that, that uh, I think it's like an Amazon show, right? Mozart in the jungle doing heroin. It sounds like an Amazon show. Mm-hmm. I think so. I watched it on Netflix. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so funny. Hilarious. <laughs> so uh, Nirvana, I uh-huh. I read a little bit about them. I assume that you did as well. Did you get some notes going along about this band and this album mm-hmm. and stuff today? I did so many notes. Oh, so man, I'm excited. Many notes, yeah. I did too. Mm-hmm. I went through and read um, the official source of all information, Wikipedia. Of course. Which is unimpeachable. Is Everything's factual on there, which is very hey, nice. Man, you can try all you want, brother. <laughs> Can't impeach this. <laughs> Squirt. But um, yeah, so I got so I got I didn't write no, a whole lot of notes from that, but I did read about mm-hmm. them and, and about this album and stuff because there was a lot that I didn't know. Nirvana is one of those bands that came out when I was still pretty young, like I said, but mm-hmm. I always knew about them. Um, and but I didn't know a lot of, about their actual personal histories or how they got together and stuff. So I was kind of fascinated about that. So maybe we'll, we'll touch on some stuff on, on that as well. But the band members at the time of this album uh, were Kurt Cobain, uh, guitar and vocals and uh, lead writer. Um, this, the bass player, is, do you actually mm-hmm. say the T? I've always, I always thought people just call him Chris, but I, then I, it's like, is it Chris? Yeah, uh, with the T. Yeah. You say that? It's he's uh, I can't remember where he's like from originally, but he and his family immigrated to America. But it's North, like from North Korea. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, he came over here in search of buttholes. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he, he found it. He found it. And life was good. Man, but yes, uh, Chris Novoselic. 
Yeah. Um, but you and then know. I saw Novacell Lich on some things, and I was like, I always thought it was Novacellic. So now I don't know what's happening. Let me let me see uh, where he was from. Um, let's see. So yeah, on base though, Croatian. They are Croatian immigrants. Interesting. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I guess with the name and stuff, the way it's spelled. Yeah. Um, and then um, Dave Grohol. Is that yeah uh, on the drums? Dave Grohl, la spaghetti. Dave, Dave. <laughs> yeah, he loves spaghetti. Uh, Mr. Yeah. Dave Grohl on drums, who mm-hmm. um, that was definitely for one of me for for me growing up. Like I knew about the Foo Fighters, and then it it mm-hmm. was like years later that I realized that he was the drummer. And I I honestly oh, at the time was like, what do you mean that he can play multiple instruments? Like mm-hmm. I I remember being like, I don't understand. He's like the guitar and lead singer of this band, but he was a drummer mm-hmm. where nobody ever knows the drummer's names and you barely even see his face in music videos because he has such mm-hmm. long hair. I would never have known that was him because uh, I don't pay attention to drummers. Sorry, drummers. But um, but yeah, it's interesting because he uh, went on to create another great band in the world. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so that was the the album or that I mean the band. Uh, that was around for this album and yep. the main members that we all knew. I also learned in my, my research of this, that there were a bunch of other drummers before this on their first album and, and some other ones that they were writing songs with. But, uh, I always thought Dave Grohl was just part of that from the get go, but I guess he was kind of mm-hmm. added a little bit later. But, yeah. He was um, added for this one. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Mm-hmm. So did you want to just go ahead and jump into it song by song? Um, what you yeah, I, I have some uh, additional notes before Please. we get started here. So uh, the album was produced by Butch Vig, which my phone, I just saw, <laughs> autocorrected Butch to Bitch. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's produced by Bitch Vig, uh, who is the drummer slash co-producer of the band Garbage. And uh, oh, it was wow. recorded at Sound City Studios in Van Nuys, California. Uh, and there's a 2013 documentary directed by Dave Grohl uh, called Sound City uh, that centers around, around this legendary studio and the various musicians who recorded there. Um, And I I saw that, um, I don't know, a few years back, maybe 2015, 16, something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was on a streaming service at the time. Um, You might check around for it. But uh, it was really interesting. There's a lot of musicians that came through there, like Paul McCartney's in the documentary, Corey Taylor from Slipknot, a whole bunch of people in there. And they recorded... um, a bunch of different songs with a, a, an assortment of musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a soundtrack available for that as well. But uh, it's really interesting to hear about the like recording process and how specific an actual like recording board can be and like oh, a sound yeah. space and everything. So yeah, yeah, that's cool. It's kind of fascinating to me. That's one of the things that I don't know like anything about, but mm-hmm. um, I love the idea of these places that are like known to like so many musicians, like so many like seminal albums have been, recorded there and you're like oh my god like this place is like some of them have such big stars and such big albums that they're just like oh yeah this is like literally just a room but it's like special and uh, Mm -hmm. there's just something about the producers the the stuff the place they've created or whatever and it's Mm kind of wild i've never seen that documentary i know about it uh it was always on my list and just never got around to it so now Mm -hmm. that i've gotten so much more into back into dave grohl from watching a bunch of stuff around this album uh makes me want to watch that again or try it Mm -hmm. you know finally yeah, yeah, it was really interesting. Right on. Um, I also saw that the band switched labels during the making of this album. Mm-hmm. Um, their first album, Bleach, uh, like you said, they had a different drum, uh, drummer. It was uh, Chad Channing, who was their main drummer uh, for that album. Um, and he left the band. Um, and uh, before that, the the I guess the three of them had recorded 
a uh, an eight song like EP essentially mm-hmm. uh, that would eventually become demos for Nevermind. Um, but yeah, due to their drummer leaving and the existing label, which was Sub Pop, having financial trouble, um, they the remaining members decided to look around for a different label. They ended up landing at DGC Records. And uh, before they signed with DGC, the band found a new drummer in Dave Grohl, who his previous band, Scream, had recently broken up. So they snatched him up, made him a part of the band. And I can't imagine listening to this album with any other drummer, especially after hearing some like Foo Fighters songs and Mm -hmm. being familiar with that. Um, Even though he's not like the current drummer in Foo Fighters, um, Taylor Hawkins in that band has a similar playing sound. Mm. And it's just like so iconic to me that style of playing for totally. this type of music you know which is funny because we were watching other videos with dave Grohl. there's something about um i think it was everlong it was a like mm-hmm. he was on stage talking about the writing of everlong and it was just fascinating to hear him discuss like how he looks at a, at a guitar like a drum kit and he's yeah. like i'm not trained in any of this i can't read music i can't do any of this stuff but i, I heard when i was reading stuff about uh, nirvana as well kurt cobain had talked about that too like they're not trained musicians they just kind of know this stuff, but like, especially the drumming, like from Dave Grohl and then also, what was it? Uh, Taylor? Thumb, uh, for uh, the, for yeah, Taylor Hawkins. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That style, there's something about it. So it's so fucking rock and there's like a, mm-hmm. I don't know, a, a cadence to it that is so specific to those two bands or whatever. And it makes me think of Dave Grohl mostly, I guess, yeah. you know, but it's like so funny that he was just like making shit up and it's like, oh yeah, you just happen to be a genius. Yeah. And so this fucking shit works like gangbusters. It's amazing. Yeah, it's like the hardest drumming you can do without it being like hard rock or metal or yeah. whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like it's there's so a power to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of power. And like it's almost like melodic in some ways. Like the way that mm-hmm. it, it plays off of the guitar and the bass and stuff. Like, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's just keeping beat. It's like, oh, this is another instrument. Yeah, uh, it's, it's like it plays so well. It's interesting. Yeah, it's adding to the, uh, like you said, the cadence of the the song itself. Yeah, yeah. Without yeah. just being like the backing, oh, everybody's got to stick to this beat. Like there's yeah. more to it. I don't know. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the band was offered different producers to work with. At the time, they were, uh, you know, switching labels, but they decided to wait for <laughs> Bitch Vig to become available <laughs> again to work on the album. Like that one said Butch, but like, no, I'm just locked in, right? Of course, of course. Um, uh, the sub-pop recordings for these songs were then used as demos, like I said, and re-recorded for this album. Um, and then, as you mentioned, it was uh, the album was released on September 24th, and by January 92, it replaced Michael Jackson's Dangerous as the number one album on the Billboard charts, which is fucking insane to dethrone the king of pop like that, you know? Yeah, and like to uh, seemingly come out of nowhere, like mm-hmm. like they were known like in the underground circles and stuff, in the Seattle yeah. and Portland areas and stuff, but then man, they really just exploded. Um, mm-hmm. It's so crazy because now looking back and it's just like, oh yeah, well they're Nirvana, you know, but like at the time they were just like a garage band. Yeah. And it's like, man, they just really, sh- you know, shot to stardom like right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's weird is like they dethroned Michael Jackson and then he was like never heard from again. Like, yeah, that's true. Whatever happened to him? I know. Like, I bet like nothing weird happened. I, like, I, <laughs> I bet like if we were to look into it, I'm sure it was, it was all totally normal. fine. Totally normal. Um, Nothing to report here. I'm just going to leave it there. Just leave it there. Um, 
Nevermind garnered four singles and has sold over 30 million albums worldwide. According to Kurt Cobain, the songs for this album were inspired by bands such as the Pixies, R.E.M., the Smithereens, and the Melvins. And the uh, it was intended for the album to sound like a fusion of mainstream pop bands such as The Knack and Bay City Rollers with heavier rock bands such as Black Flag and Black Sabbath. So um, that's, that's, a, that's a wild fusion to me. Yeah. But like it, I see it now that I I like read that again. Uh-huh. It's on Wikipedia. You can't make you this can't, up, yeah, guys. Yeah, it's true. It's definitely true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was also a note uh, that I I saw multiple times in different things. So apparently this is true, and I would love to hear like demos from this, whatever. But mm-hmm. they were like, oh yeah, well when they first got together, I think it was just Kurt and Chris, and they were like, when they first got together, they were in a uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival cover band and i was like wait what <laughs> that is, is that a, true i didn't see it, that i saw that like so many places Damn, wow. yeah. okay uh and they and i i was listening with amanda we were listening to this full album never mind and i was like yeah i can kind of hear like kurt singing some credence songs because they mm-hmm. also kind of i don't know they kind of garble stuff like you don't always know what he's saying or whatever and it's more just about the, the music and stuff than the lyrics mm-hmm. and i was like man i could totally hear it and then i was i when i read more about it they said that uh kurt was the drummer in that band and that oh, cover wow. band, and chris was the lead guitarist and singer of their credence clearwater revival band and wild totally weird to me to think of like any yeah. connection to that like you said like they were like, oh, well, the Bay City Rollers and Black Sabbath. Who the fuck ever talks about them together? But is that what Nirvana <laughs> is? You yeah. smash those together and you get Nirvana? That's wild. It is, yeah. It's kind of strange influences that yeah. bring about these other things that then become influential. Yeah. Um, Dave Grohl had stated that Cobain focused on music first and lyrics second, so kind of like you were saying, um, and there is attention paid primarily to the melodies of the songs. And I noted this specifically because, like I've said on previous episodes, but for new listeners, um, I'll reiterate, I when I listen to music, I primarily listen to just like the music itself, you know, the, the melody of the vocal is part of it, but I don't necessarily pay attention to the lyrics. And I've never really paid attention to Nirvana lyrics in particular yep. because they seem so um, when I have like looked into them, you know, back in the day, they seem nonsensical to me. And yep. upon further research. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, they they really don't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, uh, they're very like. Um, I, last episode when we were talking about the airborne toxic event, mm-hmm. it seemed like um, Mikhail Jolet was very like uh, hard on his sleeve type of mm-hmm. uh, fella. You know, everything was there. There were some like metaphors here and there, but it seemed like everything was like upfront yeah. and not a lot of like sugar coating or um, uh, crypt uh, like cryptic uh, speaking mm-hmm. in his lyrics. Whereas Kurt Cobain's stuff is. Uh, like he's stated, it's more like poetry and there's um, you can't always derive what the meaning of something is. Yeah. And it's almost more like a vibe than anything. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And I, I had that same quote written down because uh, we had talked so much about the lyrics because that is something really important to me. I, when I first listened to songs, I listened to just the melody and stuff. And if I it, just trying to get the feeling of the music, what I what I dig from it. And if I can pick out lyrics, I will. But it's not like my goal. But later on, I'd like to dive into that and know what they're talking about. But it's like when we did Metallica and I, I looked up their mm-hmm. lyrics and I was like, I'm not really getting much from these. I don't know that there's not necessarily like they didn't mean to put anything out there, but like there just wasn't a whole lot. But like Airborne to me, it's like mostly about the lyrics mm-hmm. and the poetry that he wrote for those and stuff. And then I knew that 
Kurt Cobain like is always made fun of. Like I watched the the Weird Al Yankovic's uh, "Smells Like Teen Spirit" um, <laughs> cover. I forget what he calls it now, uh, but like the, the cover song for that, right? And he makes fun of like marbles in his mouth, and you can't hear and stuff. But um, I knew that was the case, and I knew it was from what I remembered. It was kind of gibberish and stuff, but. I started looking up lyrics for these songs, too, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is, like, totally fucking... It doesn't matter. And then I, I find these quotes where he was like, I could basically give a shit about lyrics. Like, they have to be there, so I'll put them in there. But otherwise, like, I don't really care. It's all about the melody of the music. And that's uh, really interesting. It doesn't bother me because Nirvana's music is is so genius that it doesn't need need that, I guess, you know? Yeah. But, uh, but it kind of stands on its own that way. The Weird Al cover is called Smells Like Nirvana. <laughs> I, saw, I never knew what it was actually called that's hilarious when i looked yeah. it up I, I was looking up nirvana smells like teen spirit and then that one popped mm. up and i was like oh fuck mm. yeah we're watching that music video because <laughs> yeah, it's the one. just like the other one it's great this is what kurt wanted i think yeah i think so yep. i think so yeah <laughs> i feel like for most musicians they feel like it's like uh y- you are on the simpsons or oh, you're yeah. parodied by weird owl or both if you're lucky yeah and if or, weird owl's in that simpsons episode man mm-hmm. you really made it Actually, now that we th- are talking about it, I think I remember hearing Michael Jackson <laughs> voice a character on The Simpsons, and then he just disappeared. Yeah, I yeah, think that's yeah. what happened. He's Has like, Weird Al done any of his songs? Uh, Michael Jackson? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. He should do... I'm just spitballing here. He should do one where he's like a fat guy that can't get enough food and just call it, <laughs> I don't know, eat it or something. That's a good that's idea. Just, that's like off the top of my head. That's a good idea. I just, I just not even trying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just drop the B. Oh off my god, the... I didn't even think about that. Yep. Oh, it's right there. Yep. Okay, actually, you know what? It's genius. Yeah. Yeah. You're genius. Mm-hmm. No thanks. You should write them. Get a... the website genius. Yeah. Write them. Uh huh. Well, first you got to find them. So you got to go to askjeeves.com. Of course, he'll know. He knows. And everything. he'll help you. He's a good guy. Jeeves. Yes, sir. <laughs> Where's my Hassan Pfeffer? Huh? <laughs> you know, I, I exclusively look at Ash Jeeves on my Virtual Boy. It's oh, the best that's interface. the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get to see him, like, walk in the room. Yeah. From the back of the room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's just all in red, so it's really hard to tell definition. But <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's, like... it's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> I know. If you ask Ash Jeeves to bring you a packet of M&M's, and you're like, but I only want, you know, green M&M's. Mm-hmm. You're kind of fucked because yeah. they all taste the same and they're all like, you know, essentially the same color of red. Yeah. And you won't be able to tell you otherwise. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you're eating what you're eating. I remember back in school, like one of the jokes that got passed around quickly was like, hey, I know these are called M&M's, but mine has a W on it. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. Kids mine has a three. Mine has an E. Oh, damn. They done fucked up with the factory again. (laughs) Classic, classic jokes. Oh, man. All right. So, uh, yeah, let's get into it. Let's uh, let's go for a song by song breakdown. Sweet. Um, So let's start. Well, at number one, with Smells Like Teen Spirit, this is the first single 
of the four off this album. Uh, the title of the song derives from something his friend wrote on a wall, which was Kurt Smells Like Teen Spirit, which was a reference to the Teen Spirit deodorant, which was worn by Kurt's girlfriend at the time. Kurt claims that he hadn't heard of the deodorant until after the song's release. Uh, a contributor on Genius states that the song is an ironic commentary on teenage party culture and how devoid of culture everyday life had become, um, which... I don't know. I don't know if I can agree with that assessment of it. Like the lyrics almost seem like superfluous to me um, for this song. Yeah. I don't gather any specific meaning from any of these songs. Like uh, when Amanda and I were researching stuff about this too, because she just got curious after that. She was looking some stuff up. She was like, this song says it's about this. And I was like, how on earth would you ever know that? Unless Kurt Mm -hmm. says it, which is like, we only have the option to believe him uh, because he wrote it. But otherwise I'm like, he he's, quoted as being like I don't fucking care about these lyrics yeah they're clearly gibberish on most of the songs so I definitely don't get any meaning from it but it's it doesn't matter it's like they musically is what their <laughs> what their bread and butter is right and yeah. the songs are just fucking classics like the instant they came out you know like when you're reading the lyrics to a song and you come across the word yeah that's like in there like it's just something that was almost like an ad lib in the studio or whatever that that happened on uh, Metallica's Black Album quite a bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, where uh, it's just something that people say. You hear that in music of all sorts, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and there's no actual inherent meaning in it. It just like sounds or feels good at the time, so right. they say or sing it in the song. But it's not like you read the lyric and you're like, yeah. Well, what is this person agreeing with? Right. Like, why are they screaming it? They're they're obviously agreeing hard with something. And I feel like that's how Kurt Cobain treats a lot of his, like, actual lyrics to these songs. It's just like, it sounds good, so I'm going right. to sing this. Like, what is the meaning behind it? I don't know. Like, it's just, it's it's poetry. Like, there, yep. a lot of the research I went through, he references, like, poetry that he had in books that he kept. And sometimes he would use those for songs on various Nirvana albums. Um, sometimes he just had, like, poetry just to do for himself or whatever. Um, but yeah, there's a, a lot of times where I was going through and looking at the lyrics to these songs, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense, and also it's just repeated from the first verse. It's just, you know... Yeah, right. It's, it's something to fill in time on this song, essentially. Yeah, a lot of it felt very simplistic, um, almost in the way that their songs are. Like, there's there's like the like a hook but then like i was reading about how they'll like he he doesn't do a whole lot of solos like guitar solos he would yeah. just play what he would have been singing he'll just do like one note versions of that and i'm like oh yeah like he just does a lot of callbacks to it and then there was a brief quote i read somewhere from dave Grohl talking about how they wanted their music to almost be like children's music they wanted it to be like as simple as possible yeah. And just have those melodies and stuff that would hook you, and it didn't matter what they were saying, whatever. And there's something refreshing about that, even though I love lyrics and stuff. Like, I don't go into this knowing what he's even saying, and I don't go into it expecting that once I know what he's saying, I'm gonna have some like grand meaning behind this song or whatever. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. They they were speaking, especially this song, "Smells Like Teen Spirit." They're speaking to like an angst, you know. They they talked so much about them being like the the face of. Generation X, and even if Kurt didn't like to be that or whatever, but they they were, and um, even though like I'm not that generation and stuff, and I don't I don't know if you consider yourself tail end of that or anything, but like it was like older than than us at that time. I don't I don't know that kind of angst necessarily, but I did feel some sort of angst in a different way growing up and being a teenager and stuff. And these songs always helped me through that. 
just because I knew they felt angsty. Like, that's all I really needed from it, just that feeling of it, uh, whatever that song was getting me through, so... Um, this one for sure I, I just put like Fucking classic That two note guitar Just that That's that yeah, quick thing Is so fucking verse, iconic yeah. yeah Oh my god mm-hmm. Just everything about it It's so simple But the music video Is iconic um, Rewatching it all over again Today I haven't seen it in years But I was like mm-hmm. I know exactly What's gonna happen Like these different parts And stuff Just that gym Filled with all the kids And the, the, the black suited Cheerleaders and stuff um, mm-hmm. It's just like a cool vibe All of it And this yeah. song Is probably my like most people, it's like my number one of theirs. I think it's just so iconic. That's funny that you say that. I've got two songs on this album that are kind of like one A and one B yeah. for me. So I think this is one A, and then a song later in the album is, is my one B. Um, but yeah, it's just like got so much energy, so much mm. like power. Once that power like finally kicks in, um, and like you said, the the um, the, the the two notes on the guitar during the, the yeah. first two verses and then like on the third verse he just lets the guitar ring out it's like a guitar hum instead of those mm-hmm. two notes um it has enough like difference that it's like something different is going to happen coming out of that guitar solo and like you were saying on the guitar solos for both this and uh the third track come as you are the guitar solos are just like the verse melody mm-hmm. like he's it's not anything like wild or whatever um but it's something that kind of like fills in that that spot and uh, the the music underneath it is different. So it's it's kind of a uh, the best of mm. it's like the hits within <laughs> the, the song, song. <laughs> are like played over again. Almost. You're like, OK, it's, exactly it's wild that it works, but it, it really does. But it really does. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Uh, I, I saw that uh, Kurt Cobain had stated that he was trying to write the ultimate pop song with this. Mm. And in a way, it works. It's not what I would consider like a, a pop song, but it is like extremely catchy, extremely yeah. powerful. People know it. Like even if you're not like uh, into this type of music, I yeah. was listening on Sirius XM on LL Cool J's Rock the Bells like one night. And it had um, they were doing like this like hip hop, like old school hip hop mix or whatever. They the DJ ended his set with smells like teen spirit wow. he was like rocking out to it and it was like it was like yeah it fucking works the way it like mixed into the, mm. the the previous song or whatever that's cool um part of the drums for the song were inspired by the disco or by disco groups like the gap band and dave Grohl mentioned this on that paramount plus uh from cradle to stage show um he mentioned it to pharrell williams and pharrell's mind was blown and um sadly uh pharrell did not recover oh wow so, uh, if we could all just take a minute to uh, remember Pharrell and his hat. Um, he was buried <laughs> within his hat, and uh, we all just take a moment to um, remember him. And he he did do that song for Minions too, like Happy. Oh, no, I'm sorry, uh, Despicable Me too. <laughs> My bad. Totally different. That's totally different. Great. Mm-hmm. I do like that song. I don't. I, the, you know, the movies are what they are. But yeah, you don't like that song. Ugh. It's because of that movie. I can't. I can't separate the two. Oh, okay. Yeah. The minions and have ruined anything, it for you. Yeah, because it's like anything to do with their market. They're everywhere, and I'm just like, go away. You're like Kid Rock. Just go away. Um. Know? Hold on. Hey Siri. Um. Cancel the uh, all the Bob, Kevin, and Stuart uh, Christmas gifts. I've uh, got queued up for Steven. Um, Who? Turns out he doesn't like like minions. The lead three minions. Bob, what? Kevin, and Stewart. Why oh do you my think God, I know Stewart. the names of the minions? I avoid the minions. Why would you not know? Okay. So I know who to avoid, you mean? Steven, you have a niece. 
Yeah, and I'm going to steer her away from the minions as best as I can so I can not watch that shit as she gets older. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be Eureka's Castle oh and Tailspin. That's all she gets. Tailspin. <laughs> not even DuckTales, but Tailspin. Yeah, oh, uh-huh. I love Tailspin, yeah. Mm-hmm. You get the adventures, and a, I love a plane that can land on water. It just doesn't, it just defies all physics. I don't get it. I love you got it. Kit Cloud Kicker. He's got an Ugh. airfoil he surfs on. He's got a backwards hat. Man, he's probably cool. smuggling drugs. Yeah. You know? He's, yeah. So where was he on January 6th? You know? <laughs> That's what I want to know. I heard Laura Ingram has some real cogent points. I just imagine, she, like, combing through video to find the backwards hat. Oh, there. Oh, different guy. Different guy. Uh-huh, different yeah. guy. Okay, let's Some move Viking on. Viking hat. Uh, <laughs> the lead singer from Ice to Earth for some reason. Oh, interesting. Uh, strange. All right. Mm. Whatever. Um, <laughs> so this is the only song on the album, uh, referring to Smells Like Teen Spirit, uh, that is credited as being written by all three band members. Um, I saw something that. About, like Dave, Dave Grohl's drumming uh, mm-hmm. was part. It kind of, like inspired some of the uh the musical stuff that went on in between the guitar and bass and everything so um yeah he got a credit and uh if you have to get one credit for a nirvana song i mean this is the one you're right you that's be, the one yeah i wrote that uh-huh i was yeah. part of that crew oh you did uh, something with nirvana was it like a deep cut no it's the most popular right. song that's ever existed <laughs> almost by any band have that's, you heard it that's the one I, of course you uh, have because everybody's yeah. heard it I only listen to Mozart. <laughs> You've heard it. Did you hear Did you hear us heroin problem? <laughs> I uh, when I was finding the, I wanted to find music videos for each of the singles that came out for this, and then um, mm-hmm. which I found three of them. I think Lithium didn't have a like a real music video. I think that was the one. Um, mm. But I found like you know live versions of their songs, and that's how I found like the the Weird Al Yankovic one was was in there too and i was like oh so we're watching like a whole bunch of stuff we got to yeah. one that was um this youtube channel that's like kids react where they play them for this version they play them like songs mm-hmm. and then see what they say about it and it was fascinating because it was like kids from like i don't know like eight years old to like 13 or something and mm-hmm. they start off and they're like do you know who nirvana is and they're like i don't know like maybe i've heard their songs like a few of them knew who they were or whatever i'd heard of them they'd be mm-hmm. like that old band you know but they're they're listening to all these songs and so much of Nirvana is really actually kind of slow, uh, and they'll and the chorus it might pick up, but uh, you know a lot of the songs are kind of low key. And mm-hmm. I kept waiting. I was like, "When smells like Teen Spirit?" And they they go through like ten songs and then end on that one. And even the kids that like weren't weren't really liking the rest of the songs, some of them didn't know had never heard of them. Most of them had never heard mm-hmm. the songs. Almost every single kid they had on there was like fifteen kids knew mm-hmm. this song. Yeah, and they all started bobbing their heads like. Even yeah. the ones that hated everything, they were like, oh, I like this one, though. And it's like, yeah. it was so cool to see them, like, being so removed from it. A mm-hmm. lot of them were like, my parents play this in the car, you know, um, mm-hmm. so they know about it or whatever. But uh, this song, everyone recognized, like, all these little kids were like, oh, this song is, like, fucking mean something, mm-hmm. you know? And it's a fucking jam. And it was cool it to is, see yeah. that still, you know, and these kids that didn't understand better, you know? Yeah, and on the topic of like modern youth getting like listening to Nirvana now, uh, in that cradle to stage show, and I think it was like the last episode, as it's like, like you said, it goes back and forth between like the featured artist for that episode and then like Dave Grohl mm-hmm. and, and his whole like deal. <laughs> Very dismissive way to say his whole fucking thing, his bullshit he gets into. Right, right. But he, he has a daughter that uh, likes to sing, and eventually, just like most 
kids who like eventually get into like rock music she's going through her nirvana phase mm. independent of her dad like previously being in that band crazy and he was like yeah she doesn't even care that i was in the band but she she likes it she like identifies with a lot of those songs now mm-hmm. and uh i thought that was fascinating um yeah that it, it still resonates with with kids like you you can see kids out like in the wild now if you go through the, your local serengeti you'll see a child walk up in a sometimes a, a never mind shirt mm-hmm. the occasional bleach shirt never in in utero shirt nope. that's too sciencey they're like uh, no a diorama of the body no, i don't what think the- so no um I've, for other notes on this, I've got it noted about like the amount of takes it was recorded. Look, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of takes they did for all the songs on this album. Uh, there's one song that was recorded in like one take or whatever. So I'll mention that. Just imagine the rest of these songs were done in like, I don't know, two or three takes for the band and then two or three takes for the vocals. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to say it each time. We got shit to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, eventually, Kurt grew tired of playing the song live and it was removed from. Uh, live performances as often as possible after that so on the reissue of this album for the 30th anniversary there's quite a few uh live sets that are included in this and i think every single one of them includes smells like teen spirit though i could be wrong i'm not willing to look it up i spent too much time researching other shit you guys look it up it's it's like the internet yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do your yeah. own. Do your own stuff. Do your research. Yeah. Come on, guys. Do your own research. We've already told you about Kim Jong Un's <laughs> lack of butthole. Told you about Mozart's heroin problem. Yep. You know. You got to do other some work. stuff. Yeah. Yep. Like we can't. We can't do everything for you guys. Makes but sense. I will tell you that this album has spoilers. A second song on it. That second song uh. is the fourth single. And it's called In Bloom. And lyrically, the song is about fair weather fans and people who don't understand the song yet sing along blindly. Oh, man, that's me. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, take this all with a grain of salt. I, I cross-referenced Wikipedia and Genius, and it's just like, eh, this is what somebody said. You know, well, as, as often as I could, I tried to incorporate stuff that mm-hmm. like Kurt Cobain said or people who were there. But a lot of the times it was like, well, he was dating uh, Toby Vale from... Uh, Bikini Kill at the time, who was like the drummer and co-founder of that band, and uh, he had gone through a breakup with her, so that's probably what the song's about. But they don't know, like, yeah. I don't know. It could be about like breakups in general or relationships or whatever. We don't know. I got uh, most of my facts from the back of a Cakes cereal box. Oh god, the worst cereal. Yeah. Like, why even make cereal? Don't even call it cereal. That's why they had to put the facts on there because someone they needed someone to buy the box. You know, I, and I, did. I assume that they the sole reason they continue to make kicks is because they also continue to make beanbag chairs. They got to fill that <laughs> shit with something. It's a joint venture. It's like one family. Yeah, exactly. Both. Yeah, that's nice. Two brothers. <laughs> one one in the cereal. It's two guys on an island. Both of them have machetes. And they're like, look, I kill you. You kill me. The other one's still fucked. You know, we got to get through this together. Mm-hmm, that's right. It's, it's mutually assured destruction. So. What's it going to be, punk? You know, one of those things. Yeah, absolutely. And then you got kicks out of it. So and that's where kicks came from. Fuck you, world. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck you, world. Have some kicks. Um, The song sounds uh, more like a bad brain song uh, with uh, a a focus on the hardcore punk aesthetic, but was later reworked and uh, slowed down. Um, That's interesting. uh, I guess that was like the the additional like Mm -hmm. the additional the original like version of the song. Uh, is what I meant to say there. You know, I really just like fucked up these notes real bad. 
Um, but you're like, oh man, all of my notes are about Creedence Clearwater Revival. Damn it! Not oh, again. Damn. I should have been listening when I was typing. Yeah, that's on me. Another that's time. On me. Another time. Mm-hmm. Um, I find it funny because you said this one. Um, was kind of about like people just singing along and not knowing the lyrics or whatever. And one mm-hmm. of my notes was a lot of their songs I know are quote unquote sing alongable, even when I'm not confident that I actually know the lyrics. And this is one of them. Yeah. I was sing- I was like, Oh yeah. And I was like singing along and I was like, I think all of the things I just said are wrong, but it mm-hmm. doesn't even matter. You just move along. I thought the lyrics in the chorus were she's the one who likes, but it's like, he's the one. I'm like, Oh, that changes the whole thing. Yeah. I just P's versus V's, you know? I got the pronouns wrong in this fucking song. Uh, come on, And Brent. now I'm canceled? Oh, man. This is what did it? <laughs> Damn. Uh, All right. But I also, I, I find it interesting because I've always, and one of the things with the little kids in that video, too, they were telling them this is like a grunge band, and they were like, mm-hmm. they like put grunge in the forefront. And I've always been like, yeah, like I knew about grunge. I liked the Seattle look. I loved, in that era, I loved wearing like jeans and a sh- like a t-shirt or like a Henley and then wearing like a flannel shirt like tied around my waist which makes no fucking sense but it was like the look <laughs> yeah. right and it like hangs are like behind your butt and everything and it's like I liked everything about that but I was like looking it up today I didn't I didn't look up like what does grunge really mean where does it come from what's it like a mix of different genres or whatever but mm-hmm. I had always thought like grunge bands when I think grunge bands I think Nirvana but then I was reading about them and they're like yeah well they were coming up on like the punk scene in a lot of ways and like this this other this other stuff and I heard some of that in their songs like some of their songs are really they reminded me of punk songs like they're fast um, they just kind of like kind of screaming the lyrics and stuff and mm-hmm. the songs over really quick and I, I'd never thought that until this album when I was reading about it I, I guess I never really knew how to qualify them but I'm like they're just Nirvana like they're so specific to what they are that they're almost like a genre unto themselves uh, or like they started this sound even though they were kind of coming up with so many other bands that were making that sound as well and they were influenced by so many other people we talked about you know but um, mm-hmm. I just find that fascinating to me that I, I I don't even know how to classify all of their music and stuff um, but I just know what I like and I know mm-hmm. that it's like there's something about it that's special like we all were like this is fucking special I don't know why yeah there's there's something about like grunge uh, well, I was going to say of that era, but it's like that was kind of the only time that grunge had existed. I, don't, I can't think of any like modern grunge bands, right? right? Like, like it didn't stick I, around like that. I know that like Pearl Jam continues to like put out new music and then up until he passed, uh, Soundgarden was like mm. around kind of. Um, they were like kind of on hiatus here and there or whatever yeah. throughout their careers. But um, so I think eventually it just like turned into like rock or whatever. But they were around out around the same time as Nirvana, but they didn't stand out to me at that time the way that Nirvana did mm. and still does to me. Yeah. You know, like you said, it's just like elevated above everything else in that same circle of music to me. Yeah, there's just something about it. It's mm-hmm. interesting and kind of fascinating to read back on it now and try to mm-hmm. parse through it a little bit through either like old reviews of their music or, or modern reviews, you know, where people are like, mm-hmm. oh, this is clearly like a a great album but you know for the most part it was reviewed that way then but it's yeah. interesting to just to see like nobody knew really what was going to happen like when i was reading about their their new music label and they were like oh well we hope they're going to sell like 250,000 copies of this record because that's what sonic youth did in their debut for that that group or whatever yeah and then they're like they ended up selling 400,000 units a week and it's like they <laughs> had no idea the juggernaut mm-hmm. 
that was about to befall all of them. And uh, I don't know that you could have understood or like written about it contemporaneously at the time, you know, with what it was going to mean to the world. Yeah. And I remember reading that and also that the record record label had like different singles they wanted to put out mm. first and and uh, different approaches they wanted to take. And they had the whole like marketing gimmick set up. But then when Smells Like Teen Spirit dropped, it caught like wildfire so quickly that they didn't have time to implement those yeah, like strategies yeah. so they were just like oh i guess okay i guess we'll just like shoot a music video and just let it happen yeah. or whatever like let it take its course um so that was crazy like how could you possibly yeah. expect that it just is like perfect timing for people to hear this like song uh you know yeah. whatever the case perfect place uh, yeah perfect yeah yeah um this song like smells like teen spirit has a, a really good bass line that carries the the listener throughout the the verse and um, I noted that on a lot of these songs, it was uh, noted in, in different uh, places on Wikipedia for each of these songs that uh, Butch Vig had to coax Kirk Cobain into doing like multiple vocal takes. Mm. Like at points he had to trick him by saying like, oh, yeah, it didn't record properly. Oh, it was like a little pitchy dog, you know, like these different things to get Kurt to be able to re-record his parts or double track his vocals or whatever. And at a certain point, he had to, like, coax him into doing it because he reminded him that it's like, well, John Lennon double-tracked his vocals. And yeah. he was like, oh, okay, <laughs> okay, all right, cool, I'll do it, it, you know, <laughs> if, if it's good enough for him. Um, but it, it seems like uh, Kurt Cobain was willing to do the work, but up to a point, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like the band, at the time, they, they liked the production on the album, but, like, after the fact, uh, some of them... Uh, primarily like Kurt and maybe Chris uh, thought the the album was just like overproduced or like too polished. Um, but I don't know, man, like I don't hear that. It, yeah. It, it sounds like what it sounds like to me. Mm-hmm. It's like got, it is like polished in that. Like uh, it's not like overly like effects heavy on the guitars. And I don't think the vocals are overproduced, but it's like grungy enough to where like it adds power to it without it sounding like yep. shit, you know? Yeah. I, I would never have thought that they that it, I would never have said it was polished until they said that it was polished. And maybe mm-hmm. it's not like what they were hearing and they wanted to put out there. But to me, I'm like, I don't hear that at all. It's great. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I've never listened to Bleach, their first album. Yeah. So maybe if I go back and listen to that, um, maybe that will like kind of give me a, a better point of reference yeah. for what they wanted to go with. But I don't know, man. Like, I can't imagine this album sounding. Yeah any different than it does it seems so like chiseled and stone and perfect to me yeah it's kind of like uh what was supposed to happen this is exactly Mm -hmm. what you know was supposed to come out of that that recording session or whatever Mm -hmm. i can't imagine any other way as well i thought about um listening to their first album as well but then when i went to look at it i didn't know any of the song titles from it so i was like i don't think i know any of the songs and Mm -hmm. i was like oh i'll get to it and i just didn't um i ended up listening to some from in utero that I knew and stuff, but, um, this, this album, was a good one for us to do, not just for the anniversary, but it's the ones that I knew the most, I think overall, uh, and in bloom as well was, was one that I knew and loved, you know, also. So, well, speaking of Nirvana adjacent music for you to listen to, are you familiar with the song Panini by Lil Nas X? Uh, no. Okay. Because there's an interpolation of in bloom that can be heard in the chorus of that song. Me, me. 
interesting. That's uh, very, yeah, it is very interesting because Lil Nas X, I mean, I like it. Mm. I have great taste, Steve, but I don't know if you've noticed this. <laughs> but man, I like Fast and Furious, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Look, uh, I like Lil Nas X. Mm. Uh, it's not for everyone. Uh, I didn't know you were continuing on with him. I thought you just liked that one song. Oh, no. But you, I, you're wearing t-shirts of him now. Okay, got it. Yeah, wear t-shirts of his naked body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like those t-shirts that looks like uh, you could be a muscular man. Uh-huh. It's like a cartoonishly muscular body. It's like that, but I wear a full body nude Lil Nas X body. I bet you get it's all like the ladies. A, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's like, yeah. you know, he's donging out pretty hard. Yeah. And then, uh-huh. Is there disappointment afterward? Of course. But yeah, yeah, yeah. you know my personality. I'm fucking used to it, you dude. You gotta treat people. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Lure them down an alleyway. Uh, speaking of musical t-shirts, mm-hmm. I see that you're wearing a, a fun t-shirt today of some sort. Tis. What is this, Brent? Tis, but true. This is One Miss Dolly Parton. Oh. I wore this out in the world today. It's good it was looking. under layers because it's uh, it's very cold. It's very cold here. But Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So nobody even saw it. Did you meet her? No. Maybe someday. Could be. We'll have her on the podcast. Oh, man, that'd be that'd be swell. She seems lovely. Because I got to know what she thinks of Panini by Lil Nas X. Because, again, there's an interpolation <laughs> of In Bloom on that, that chorus. And uh, I saw on uh, uh, an article where he said, I didn't know what people were talking about because when I dropped this song, reviewers kept saying, oh, he reinterpreted In Bloom for this Panini song. He's like, I, I had no idea. But then I heard the song. I was like, oh, OK. OK. <laughs> so <laughs> posthumously, Kurt Cobain received a songwriting credit for that song. And it's very well possible that Lil Nas X just like put some like notes together and mm-hmm. sung them. And it just like worked out like it's I don't feel like the course of in bloom is overly complicated note wise. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like one of those parallel thinking things. Or it could be that, like, he heard the song a long time ago when he was young, forgot all about it, and then brought, like, that bubble to the surface of his memory when he was writing the vocal yeah. melody, or... I don't know. I i can't imagine he was, like, trying to get away with some shit. Like, eventually he, would, like, credited the artist, you know? This is the same guy that got Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails a country music award. I mean, that is pretty Let's cool. Let's be fair. Yeah. You know? Let's just... Let's just soak that in, mm-hmm. you know? Disney's Trent Reznor. <laughs> <laughs> Received a country music award, whatever the case. Let's move on to song three, Sweet. Come As You Are, the second single from this album. A lot of the, uh, actually all four singles from this album are within the first five tracks on this album. So Isn't you've got wild? like popular song after popular song, yeah. just like on down the line here. Um, Come As You Are, uh, according to Kurt Cobain, the lyrics are about people and what they're expected to act like. Uh, the lines of the song are tend to or tend to purposely contradict themselves. And um, like I said, uh, Kurt didn't play a lot of guitar solos, but on this one, it's just the verse melody that he played again. Um, the line, and I don't have a gun, is sung too early on the Memoria refrain after the solo, but they decided to keep it in and finally, Kurt's birthplace of Aberdeen, 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 Washington, has a welcome sign with "Come as you are" printed on it. So whenever you like go into the city limits, you get to see 
Come As You Are There. What do you think about this song? Uh, I put it that it's another one that I knew so well, obviously, but then when I re-listened to it, I realized this is one of their favorites for me. One of their favorites. One of my favorites of theirs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for me. And it's this, this lo- is their this is Nirvana's favorite opinion of, of, their, of how you feel about one of their songs. Yes, yeah, you got it. Mm-hmm. May not be your favorite song by theirs, but they love your opinion and, about Come As You Are. And it's my favorite opinion of theirs that they listened to what I thought about the mm-hmm. song. And so it's really just overall, it's like it's an okay song, but like I just really like the opinion. Man, it, this is like a dangle onion. <laughs> it has layers. So it's like an ogre. Okay, gotcha. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's it's definitely, it's one of those that I've, yeah, always loved. And then I've, I've really loved really listening to this album. Um, I guess we didn't really go into that before, but I don't remember ever owning this album necessarily. But, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I know all, like the, all the singles from this. I don't think I've ever heard the full album until I listened to it this time. Because okay. there's a lot of songs on there that did not sound familiar. There were a few that sounded kind of familiar, but I didn't. I wouldn't have been able to tell you before I listened to them. Now that I'd ever heard them mm-hmm. before, um, but "Come As You Are" is like. I mean, it's in so many things. I, I kept thinking too when I was re-listening to it how great these songs are, but also I'd be like, "This is on a movie or a TV show." I know. There's various times they pop up and, and other things, you know. Um, and "Come As You Are" is just one of those that I I fucking really dig. Yeah. That like opening watery sounding guitar yeah. at the beginning put, is so yeah. iconic. You know, it, the first guitar it reminds notes, me yeah. of of the uh, the first notes of like Metallica's Inner Sandman. Mm-hmm. It just has that like I don't know. There, it's not like an aggressive sounding guitar, but it is very iconic sounding. Yeah. After the first like couple of times you hear it, you recognize it immediately. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know. It's just a very very good song. Just like consistently with. The, the rest of this album up to this point just like if if you had heard this album for the first time like listening to it in full I think once you get to the song you're like damn I thought like maybe three songs deep they would have like a clunker in there or something right. like that but no no and it's partly like I, the idea of how they choose singles and then like how they are, how they arrange the albums like what songs go where is kind of fascinating mm-hmm. to me and again, I don't know how much they thought they put into that, or like you don't necessarily want to start off. I don't. I don't know many other albums that start off three of their singles or the first three songs, you know. Yeah. And, and not mm-hmm. in order, like like you said, it was like In Bloom was like the fourth single, Come As You Are was the second single and stuff. And but it's uh, man, it, if you were just to listen to this and not know anything about it, and you'd be like, holy shit, like I'm three songs in, and this is everything's mm-hmm. fucking genius at this point, you know? Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely uh interesting how they laid that all out uh the way the singles were like put out there to the public um like you said like this album came out in september of 94 or i'm sorry 91 um but like the first single had to like hit before the album was out right so yeah and then the the other three songs were kind of peppered out throughout um the next couple of years i i guess leading up until their like third and final album yeah it's i guess um, through 92 because mm-hmm. smells like teen spirit came out in september 10th 1991 and the album okay. came out the 24th so it was like two weeks before and wow, then yeah that's short okay and then um in bloom came out november 30th 1992 that was the last the fourth single so it was like over a year later Mm-hmm. That they finally did their last single. Um, Come as you are came out March second, nineteen ninety two. So, okay, they let, wow. they let Teen Spirit kind of take over for a long time. Uh, in the mm-hmm. beginning, that was just like the big hit, and then they're like, "Oh, we have some other good shit." And it's like, "Oh yeah, this is also amazing." And yeah. this is amazing, <laughs> yeah, no. you know. 
for everyone who didn't buy this album because of the first one. Right. Here's, here's, another. here's another reason. Yeah. Yeah. How about this? Um, you have any other notes on Come As You Are? Nope. All right. Well, let's move on to track four, which is Breed. This song is like the 1B for me. Like, Oh, yeah? I, I love this song so much. When I didn't uh, know this song before this. That's interesting. Oh, okay. I don't remember so this. So I, I actually got this uh, album when I was like, I don't know, 17, 18. I could, I could drive at the time. Mm-hmm. I, I got it for Christmas from my, from my mom. And, uh, you know, like when you get a full album, uh, well, yeah, I think it still works now, but like, there's so many streaming services you can kind of like yeah you know hunt and pick which songs you want or whatever whereas like back in the day when you bought an album you're like fucking stuck with it if there's like one good song on there <laughs> yeah. you're like well i guess listen to that song a lot on cd and if you want to listen to something different eject the cd get another cd out of your foldable like cd case right you know listen to that one song that you like on that album but it wasn't like the ability to make playlists and all this stuff um but when I was listening to this album in full, I just like listened to the whole thing all the way through like two or three times just because it's so good. And this song quickly became a, a favorite of mine just because it has like so much energy. I love the mm-hmm. um, the way the music builds up at the beginning of it. It starts with uh, guitar um, and then the drums kick in uh, after like, you know, four measures. And then the bass comes in after that. And it has like this like, fuzz bass effect on it and man this is nothing about the song that i dislike it's it's just like i said it has a lot of energy lyrics don't make any goddamn sense yeah um we can plant a house we can build a tree but i think that's like part of it for kurt it was like kind of like clever wordplay um uh, i i've got it noted here that uh kurt Cobain described breed as getting into middle america marrying at age 18 getting pregnant and stuck with the baby and you know not wanting it not being happy with like this uh uh suburban life essentially yep. not to be confused with the god muff king song just, from it popped what, in my head. stream two or something like yeah, that right when you said yeah it. yeah yeah i do not want any confusion there there's no collusion no confusion <laughs> um yeah my notes for this were that the drums and the pulse and guitar in the, in the beginning damn um i didn't remember the song but um i did like it as it went on uh, my last note though was it, it's okay for for me personally it was a little too hard rock and it reminded me a little of, uh, a little of Metallica to be honest and okay, uh, so yeah. I can I don't remember like in my head I'm trying to replay this song too but from my notes about it and what you're saying I, I'm like oh I totally like can think of why Brent would like that more than I yeah. would um, mm-hmm. for the same reasons though right just for like the the music stylings we like though but uh, yeah yeah it's there's, there's a few of this album that I don't have a lot to say about. This is one I didn't write a ton about either. But um, yeah, the singles are like the ones that I really remember and that still stuck with me now. But sure. Uh, but yeah, I like this one. Um, my last note on this one is that this song was originally titled titles um, titled God Damn. <laughs> the song was originally titled Emodium, which is interesting because like they've got a song called Smells Like Teen Spirit, which was a deodorant. Mm-hmm. Um, Emodium is like an anti-diarrheal mm-hmm. like medicine right so yeah. are these guys like sellouts or like what like what what's <laughs> what's going on here they're just walking down the pharmacy aisle <laughs> oh i like that approach even better but yeah they're just like walking through a, a walgreens yeah like let's call it this i guess they're like is that cool with you guys uh this uh we're nirvana this next song is called colgate <laughs> uh, it's about, Two, our, three, four. it's about Desert Storm. Anyway, mm-hmm. let's go. <laughs> 
Yeah. We uh, we actually have a special guest coming out for this one. Two, three, four. Yeah. <laughs> it is wild to me that both of those albums, the Metallica Black album we did, and this one mm-hmm. came out the same year. Um, not to say they're like so much different or whatever, but it's just mm-hmm. two really big albums that like did a lot for for the rock landscape at that time, mm-hmm. and and changed the trajectories of those artists and stuff. And uh, yeah. but still, yeah, it's in- interesting that they were at the yeah, same I time. I didn't realize they were like in the same year either. I thought one was like I thought there was like uh, like a two year spacing of yeah. these two albums, but I was uh, totally wrong. Not even a little bit right. Which Just is like I was saying, it's in my it head. It's like I uh-huh. thought this one and, and in, in utero were like basically the same album. And like, mm-hmm. I imagined as like 1993. So I'm like, yeah, that makes total sense in my head that Metallica 91 sounds like, yeah, I would have told you that was right. And then I would have been like, yeah, this probably came out like 93, right? Yep. Never would have known that it was this early in the 90s, you know. <laughs> they were watching Jurassic Park and they're like, I have an idea. <laughs> I have an idea for an album. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to track five, which is the third single from this album. Uh, the name of the song is Lithium, and it gets its name from the drug used to treat manic depression. Uh, Cobain's description of the song is a guy lost his girl, his friends, and is brooding. He's decided to find uh, God before killing himself. Hmm. So... Huh. Interesting. That's, huh. There's some moments in the in this album, like there's there's that um, and I don't have a gun, yeah. like lyric or whatever. And mm-hmm. there's so much of it. I'm like, man, this was really prescient for what happens after mm-hmm. these come out. Uh, and it's kind of weird to to revisit them now, I guess, knowing what happens and everything. Um, oh, yeah. speaking of, by the way, on that kids react thing. I was like, how are they, they going to tell these kids that this guy, like, killed himself? <laughs> right? And it's funny because it's like, they, they tell him, like, they're like, well, the band broke up in 1994 suddenly because the lead singer died. And they're like, no, they just basically leave it at that. And the like, kids are like, oh, yeah. man. But then it does, like, a pop-up video uh, mm-hmm. during this segment, and they sh- they're showing like, facts on the bottom of, like, Nirvana fact, whatever. And so they tell the kids who are all, like, you know, eight, nine, up to like 13, like, oh, he died. But on the screen, it's like he committed suicide. His note said, and I was like, oh. wow, kids probably watch this, too. Like, this is kind of for yeah, adults, probably, right? right? But like, yeah. it is a kid's show. Um, yeah. And they so they won't they won't actually speak it to them, but they will write it on the screen, which I mm-hmm. I find kind of funny. Yeah. But it was uh, interesting how they tried to discuss that with them. Um, Lithium, I put um, the, the feeling this song gives and a lot of this album I thought was kind of quintessential like 90s like I feel okay. like Nirvana is grunge like there's just so mm-hmm. much of them that feels like the 90s and it kind of made me think of uh, Clerks as well I don't know that any Nirvana songs are actually in Clerks but just that whole era there's a certain look to it um, certain like musically and stuff it was just something that was special in that era and I was I was too young to really live it and know it but I was around a lot of it and it just seemed like a cool era but um mm-hmm. And then they, this is where I, I started reading so much about it online, and this is a song that, that at first got me, that that they were describing their music, and they were like, a lot of their verses are really quiet, and then their choruses are really loud and noisy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I I don't think I would have ever told anybody that about Nirvana, but it's something I definitely picked up on. But then once I read that, I was like, oh my god, it's like in so many of their songs, and it's why I love them. Like, Amanda and I were discussing it while we were watching Spells Like Teen Spirit, the video, we were uh, discussing it that it's like it kind of gives you a little reprieve gives you a little break between the hard hard rock aspects of it when it really gets going 
And then you get to step back a little bit and just be like, now it's like literally not even a guitar. It's just the bass and the drum sometimes, right? Yeah. And it's like, mm-hmm. man, it's so interesting. So uh, this song to me is one of the ones that I remembered very well. Um, and I've always really liked and everything, you know, like all, mm-hmm. all the singles on here are just classics. Yeah. Um, earlier when I said that, like the guy, he like finds God or whatever. Um, I saw that Kurt wasn't like... Um, into religion or whatever but he understood people's need for it in like certain occasions or whatever um like uh he had mentioned that if it helps people then yeah fine which is where i'm at with it like i i'm an atheist but i don't you know you want to believe whatever bullshit dumb fucking religion (laughs) (laughs) that's your that's your bag that's fine if you want to be a fucking wethead about it (laughs) Then fine, you know? <laughs> no, but for real, like, I, you know, I live in Oklahoma. The people all around me yeah. believe in, in uh, you know, God and, and whatnot, um, which is fine. Like, I don't, I don't have any problem with it. I respect it to a degree, you know, once you start infringing on other people's mm-hmm. lives, you know. Then we're going to have a talk. Then I'm prepared to fight to my own death <laughs> for that. Because I am a wuss and I will die. I will die <laughs> immediately upon just looking at me wrong. Um, but yeah, like, I, like I get the, the idea of it. Like sometimes you want to like, you know, explore, like create creatively. You want to explore these different like thoughts or whatever. And I think that's what, um, what this song could be a reflection of, you mm-hmm. know, that, that thought process or whatever. Um, and like you said, the, 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 the music for it is like, uh, quiet verses, uh, heavy choruses, mm-hmm. which is kind of the the inverse of what Metallica tried to do on the Black Album, mm-hmm. especially with the Unforgiven, where they had um, uh, heavy verses and then light choruses. So it's kind of like a cool inversion yeah. of that. Um, the, the the word "yeah" is repeated over and over in the chorus of the song. That's the entirety of the chorus <laughs> of Lithium, and uh, it fucking works. Mm-hmm. Like I can't imagine bringing that to the table. Of like producing a sophomore album, like their first album did pretty well, like enough to like get them on the map. The second album, like you know, you're putting all this time, effort, and money into this, and you're like, well, what's the chorus going to be? It's like the word "yeah" about twenty-seven times. Um, yeah, but I'm going to do it with gusto. So <laughs> yeah, and it brace works. For, brace for back, and it fucking works. You yeah. know, um, he uh, Kurt. Uh, mentioned in interviews that some of the lines he would write were just because they sounded good. This is a very good example of that. It's just like, yeah, just singing the word. Yeah. Yeah. Multiple times over and over in multiple choruses throughout the entirety of the song. Okay. And it's, it works. And it's great. But like, when is he agreeing with? No, stop <laughs> it. We're not. No, it's just, let's just keep it on the surface for this one. You know, this part of the yeah. song, let's just keep it on the surface level. I'm even surprised that you're you've even have like quotes from him about what any of these are about. I I literally gave up even trying <laughs> to care that the lyrics meant anything. Yeah. Because they don't. And I'm like, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't look for Th- anything of that. This was the hardest one. Yeah. Uh, like I said on the Airborne Toxic event episode we just did last week. Uh there's a lot of stuff that's on the surface you can kind of uh read between the lines of what he was mm-hmm. wanting to say. Whereas Kurt is just like, I don't know, man. I threw a bunch of spaghetti on the wall, and now they're yeah. selling it as a painting. So, I don't know. What do you see? It's like looking at a, a 
I don't know, like impressionism or whatever, right? Yep. It's like whatever you see from it is what you take from it. And um, that's how I feel about a lot of songs anyway is what what interpretation can you take away from it versus like what did the artist actually mean? Mm-hmm. And by the way, I don't like when musicians are like, well, what do you think it means? No, you tell me what you fucking think it means, bitch. I will have my own interpretation of this. I will fight you to my death but over it. you wrote it. it, and I just want to know what you meant. Yeah, so you don't know what it's about? Yeah. Mm, I feel host. I feel cheated. I don't like it. Yeah. Um, my last note on this is that the band played the song live in the 1992 MTV Video Music Awards, which ended with Chris Novoselic throwing his bass guitar in the air. He missed it in an attempt, an, an attempt to catch it, and he got hit by that dang old thing. Oh, man. He was right there in that kisser. He, just, he, just, he, got, he got beat by that bass. Oh. Mm-hmm. It's all about that bass. Oh, yeah. That's why she wrote that song, you know? It was about Chris Novoselic. All about that bass. About that bass. In your fucking mush. Yep. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. He got, his, he got him. He got on his mush? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that hurts. Right in his little punum. <laughs> Oh, my God. We're only on track six. I know. Polly. I was going to say, I thought we were done by six o'clock. And this is, we're just, we're like halfway Here through. Here we go. Yeah. Yep. An hour to go. Here yeah. we go. <laughs> so, Polly, the song is about the actual kidnapping of a 14-year-old girl in Tacoma, Washington, and is written in the point of view of the perpetrator. I liked the song when I first heard it, and then I heard what it was about. That's crazy. And I was like, this song is so difficult to listen to knowing that it had been long enough that I forgot what the song was about. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah, the song is about this fucking pirate's bird. That's um, all I got no. from it. <laughs> yeah. I did not know what that was about. I, it doesn't do much. Um, it kind of, it doesn't get much heavier than it starts. Like some of the other ones mm-hmm. do where they go back and forth on that, the juxtaposition of like the quiet loud parts, whatever kind of just keeps the same thing. Um, I knew this one by title, but I, I, so when I, when it played, I thought I was going to know it, but I didn't remember this one either. Um, okay. So it, I, this was kind of my first time hearing it, and it was okay. I didn't, I didn't love it or anything, but yeah. On our uh, our uh, rock station here in Tulsa, sometimes they play this song, even though it wasn't released as a single. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll just like play this on the radio. Um, I think it happens with like a few other songs on this album as well. Um, so I was familiar with the song just from that. Yeah. So when I heard it back on the listen through of the album when I first got it, I was like, oh, it's this song. Okay, I didn't realize that's what it was or what it was about. Um, this this sucks. It's uh, <laughs> thought it was gonna be a fun discussion, but it's like teeth all over again yeah um, if yeah uh, I, if only she would have had teeth there you know I, I can't remember what the song is called right now but i heard a song once it was like a like an 80s song and it's kind of like poppy and stuff and i was like oh i was like digging it and i was like this is fun i've never heard this before and then i looked it up and it's about a school shooting in like ireland or something <laughs> And, uh, oh, pumped up kicks? No, it's not that though. No, it's it's older. Okay. It's older than that. Um, it was like this this woman. It was a woman school shooter, and she lived like across the street from a school. And there was a line she had about um, the kids coming outside, and her she was gonna like shoot all the little darlings or something like that. And there's like a lyric in the song about it. And I didn't know what it was about until I heard about it. And it's like, oh, it's about this like horrible mass murder. Oh, okay. It was called "I'm Gonna Be" parentheses 500 miles That's by the Proclaimers. The <laughs> That's the yeah. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, that was the one. Uh, yeah. Weird Hostess. song. When you, get, yeah. you understand what it's about. Yeah, for uh-huh. sure. Yeah. Damn. So They really planned this out, too. They were, like, doing conversion <laughs> shit. Like, I did... Who could have planned for this? Um, the song features a used guitar that Kurt Cobain bought from a pawn shop for 20 bucks. Didn't bother changing the strings. Uh, it didn't stay in tune, so he had to use duct tape to hold the tuning keys in place. Um, wow. And he said, uh, like, w- when you listen to the song, he sings the word Polly said too early at the beginning of verse three, but they decided to keep it in anyway. Something that, like, uh, was kind of like a through line throughout some of the album where it's just like, yeah, he fucked up, but, like, we're just going to leave it in there. It Whatever. It fits with this type of music, though, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't. Yeah. Both of the times you've said that, I don't remember hearing me like, oh, that's off. But even if it was, I think I'd be like, he planned it. And it's genius. He meant to do and it. It's amazing. It was all preordained, brothers and sisters. Yeah. Um, two final facts for the song. The song was the only one carried over from the original sub pop recordings. So this was recorded like before they uh, converted those songs to demo songs to record these songs that would become the songs for Nevermind. That was me saying the word songs a lot. Yeah, I'm not happy good. about it, yeah. but that's where my brain went, totally. which was clearly not very far from the bus stop. <laughs> um, and finally, the symbol at the end of the song. There's like there's no drums on the song, except for the very end, and there's just like, ding, like, symbols. Um, and that was provided by their original drummer, Chad Channing, because, again, this is like from the original recording. So I don't... I've never been like a singer songwriter, so I don't know if I like what it would be like to write a song, take it to band practice, be like, guys, I've got a new song. You guys just sit there. But you did you bring your ride symbol? Because I'm going to need it. Very integral. Well, you wait. Yeah. Don't you hit the bell of it. You just hit the middle part of it. That's all I need. Um, So, yeah. Um, Do you want to move on? Uh, Yeah. So let's talk about track seven, territorial pissing, mm. T- territorial pit, territorial. You got it. Mm. Doesn't have a good mouth feel to no, me. No, it doesn't. Territorial pissing. Mm. Uh, the song was inspired by the mistreatment of both Native Americans and women, both kinds of people. Yeah. You know, it covers all bases. Um, the opening vocals by Chris Novoselic. Uh, where he sings a portion of the Youngbloods song, Get Together. Um, obviously, it's like at the, the beginning of the song, but it doesn't really play a factor in the song itself. It has like no relation mm-hmm. to it at all. Um, evidently, he was just goofing around and singing in the studio, and they decided to keep it. And because of this, the main songwriter for the Youngbloods, Chet Powers, received a songwriting credit for oh. this song. So, kind of like... Kurt Cobain received a songwriting credit for Panini, a song he was not alive to mm-hmm. take part in. Uh, Chet Powers received a songwriting credit for this. Good for which him. Which, again, is like, if you have to get songwriting credit, um, on how about on one of the highest-selling albums of all time? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Doable. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. You refuse to laugh at me? How dare you? How many dumbass faces is I going to make? <laughs> Uh, I've got to note that this is a uh, another of the high energy songs. I, I like it. I think the guitar sounds interesting on this. Mm-hmm. It, it sounds like 
it's almost entirely like mids for the guitar. Mm-hmm. It's almost like painful to listen to if you have like earbuds in, like once that kicks in. Oh yeah. Cause it's so like, like, uh, not crystal clear. Cause it's not clear. There's like some effect on it. I can't place. It almost sounds like a phaser without the phasing. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like people so just can hear the, the er. song. It has like, yes, just the er. Uh, the bud and the wise were all gone, so it's just er. And, but people can like hear the song. Like it's a it's fairly popular song amongst people who listen to this type of music. Mm-hmm. Um, what what do you think of Territorial Pissing? Uh, it wasn't my favorite. It was This is one that I put it was more punk than grunge to me, that it was like mm-hmm. harder music and stuff uh but i thought it was funny because when i i'd read about the other songs and how they were doing lighter verses and then harder mm-hmm. uh choruses but the song poly before this is like all quiet and then this mm-hmm. song is like all hard so even whenever they were in the songs not doing that they'd like put mm-hmm. two of those songs next to each other so you'd get that juxtaposition still yeah uh, which i found interesting but um yeah it was, I, I i put a note that i liked it i, I remember this title a little bit but I didn't remember the song until I listened to it. But um, it wasn't okay. my favorite, but I, I liked this one. Yeah. yeah. Um, when we were on the way home from my wife's run today, I had this album playing and the song came on and uh, she was like, are you listening to this for the podcast? I was like, yeah, but also I like, you know, I like this album. I'm just kind of refreshing myself on it. And it got to the end of the song or she I said, you know, it's good music and and um, it's just enjoyable to listen to. It gets to the end of the song where Kurt is blowing out his voice. I read that they did three takes of this, mm. um, like a lot of the songs they did three takes. But on this one, he really goes nuts at the end of it. And he just starts like screaming or whatever, trying to reach these high notes. And um, she was like, and this is you like this? This like weird <laughs> streaming stuff. I was like. Yeah, you know me. You know, like most I, of yeah, the she should know that, right? wild shit I listen to. This is like, this is like kind of tame yeah, to me, yeah. you know. But um, yeah, like so not it's her favorite, uh, though. not her favorite. No, yeah. she said this was her least favorite on this album. Uh, she said her favorite was um, she. She doesn't talk to me anymore <laughs> oh, um, no. after listening to this. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know. I'll never know. This was the final straw. This was it. Yeah. Hmm. She she told me to territorial piss off. Wow. Uh, so, uh huh. That's mm-hmm. I mean that's pretty clever of her though. Mm-hmm. I know it's almost like I wrote it for her. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine you guys go into like divorce proceedings and you're like, I wrote mm-hmm. some jokes for you if you want to just throw a sprinkle yeah. them in here and there. I think it'd be a good time. Like, <laughs> try to like underhanded like yeah. hand her an envelope. It's like here you can use these jokes about me. A lot of these uh, are comments on my skin tone, but like, yeah. we're cool. I'd like, you know, that's why I like it. if yeah, you say yeah. it. We're like, right now, we're still technically married, so like, if you can say it now. Yeah. But after today, don't you ever say that to me? Oh man, that'd be that'd be great. <laughs> it would be great. Mm, you wouldn't know, it be great. A white person can finally just say what they want yeah. about a brown one. Let me watch track eight, which is "Drain You." Uh, it was originally titled "Formula." Um, not really like a brand name though, Kurt. That's what we're looking for. As you're walking through that CVS, you need to yeah. focus on an actual brand name. Um, according to Mr. Cobain, the song was written about a dorky, old-fashioned kind of love, and it has this kind of like swing tempo to it, you know? Um, 
Yeah, that's the words I said. Um, according to, uh, I'm trying to remember this one. I mean, like, did I get a swing tempo from any of these? Maybe. Like, dun, dun, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Whatever. People are hearing it now. Whatever yeah, the case. There you go. Um, according to Butch Vig, Drain You featured more guitar overdubs than any Ooh. other song on the album, with one clean track and five distorted tracks. Um, which I was, I thought was surprising. I don't feel like this is like the loudest or hardest song in the album, but sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do, mm-hmm. man. You know, you gotta get on there with all these different amps and shit. Man, that was a really good Kurt Cobain. Thanks. <laughs> you know, he's a little bit of Cuban, you know. You know how Al Pacino classic Cuban American, man. Man. Did you ever see the episode of Cribs where they went through Cobain's house and like every wall, Scarface, Scarface, oh, yeah. Scarface, Super like, oh Scarface, my God, yeah. someone f- hit the treasure trove at the garage sale. That's you know? right. Um, <laughs> 1993 Rolling Stone interview, Cobain cited Drain You as one of his favorite compositions and that he thought it was good, if not better, than Smells Like Teen Spirit. He further stated that he loved their lyrics and never got tired of playing it, which is surprising because yeah. seems like he would just get like bored of shit. Uh, on occasion which is fine like when you're out on tour and you have to play the same song over and over and the same sequence of other songs over and over I get it it's gonna wear on you um, but he also mentioned that in that same interview that like if this song got as popular as Smells Like Teen Spirit probably would have yeah. gotten burnt out on it as well it's like the number um, one yeah a little bit of like um, too cool for school there Kurt like you mm-hmm. know uh, you know rest in power but also like who are you to not play Smell Like Teen Spirit? I mean, you know? that's what people were begging for, you know. Who are you? you? Oh, you're Kurt Cobain? Okay, okay, okay yeah, yeah. I've always felt uh, it must be difficult as an artist to have to play the hits all the time. And then, like, mm-hmm. especially people that, like, stick around for decades and decades and that people still want them to play the hits. And you keep mm-hmm. putting out albums and they're like, yeah, I don't really care. I just want to hear the same thing. And. A lot of them seem pretty cool with that, though. They're like, well, this is the song I wrote in 1986, so I guess this is what I'm singing for the rest of my life. But, man, I would get so bored with everything that I created. I think I love other people's creations a lot. I want to sing them all the time, but I don't really want anything but my own, you know? I think from what I've seen, again, this is oftentimes on Behind the Music. It's uh, one of the greatest shows of all time. People make fun of it all you want, but it's a treasure trove of information. Mm. Um, I've... You know, and other interviews on like YouTube or whatever. Um, but I've seen artists say like, "Yeah, I I like the song when I wrote it. I hated playing it live so many times, but eventually I found new meaning in it, and then now I like to play money. it again." Like, yeah, they found new, new new money in it. I hate this song. Then Sound of Cash Register. Yeah. Oh, I like but it. <laughs> I will, you know what? I I can find three and a half minutes yeah. to invest in this. Yeah, it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought this was interesting when I looked up the information about this song. The sounds during the interlude were made by Kurt playing. Uh, he had uh, like some toys that he brought into the studio. One was a squeaky mouse and one was a rubber duck that made a little like squeaking noises. And you can hear that on the interlude. Mm. I've heard this song several times. Never paid attention to that part of the song until I listened back to it after reading that mm. information. I was like, well, I'll be damned. There's some, like, squeaking noises in this fucking thing. <laughs> I have no fucking idea. No idea at all. That is wild. I don't remember hearing mm-hmm. that either, but now I'm kind of curious to go listen to it. Um, I did yeah. see a note. I was trying to tell a man about it because it was so weird. I was reading, like, a Wikipedia, and they were, like, I think he was talking about a, a different album, maybe in utero, that has, like, a, uh, a collage that Kurt had made in the background of something. 
And they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's got like pictures of like this stuff and pictures <sighs> of this stuff. And then it has pictures of deformed vaginas from Kurt's mm-hmm. personal collection of medical photos. And I was like, wait, what? That sentence mm-hmm. does not belong there. What? Where, how did this no. happen? No. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally Don't like it. I was reading through that as well, because one of these toys is supposed to be, I think, in that photo. I was oh, like, oh, okay. I kind of want to see what that looks like. No. Or, or maybe it was like something that was related to something else. I think he mentioned in that collage, the same collage, there's like a uh, a picture of the band Kiss that's in the background. Oh, that's what he said. Yeah, yeah, if, yeah. If you can find them, right? Yeah. I was like, oh, I want to see that. And I read further about yeah. the, <laughs> the vaginas. Like, no. Mm-mm. I'm good. Mm-mm. But I'm nope, like, I'm not going to do it. His personal collection. I like, like, I was yeah. like, oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, this I is from the the, the fall Cobain collection. <laughs> um, yeah, just take a gander through there. You can have, uh, I should say, you shall borrow uh, photos one through seven oh. and then nine through 16. Number eight is for daddy. Uh-huh. Um, that one never leaves my sight. It's um, a favorite. It's means a lot to mm-hmm. me for various reasons. Yeah, that makes you sense. You can look at it, but you cannot take that one. <laughs> um. Mm-hmm for drain you i i didn't have a lot of notes about it i i said it not much to say about it it's very 90s and very nirvana but i didn't know this one before um but i just didn't connect with it musically as much as some of the other ones so okay for for me fair enough um on that same tip let's talk about track nine lounge act um we just got done talking about the sophomore album from your favorite band they were Mm -hmm. toxic event if you get me a list of three airborne tracks and one nirvana track let's say lounge act here you put it in the list and said pick out the nirvana song i would never have picked lounge <laughs> act i don't yeah i've listened to this album all the way through multiple times like since i was 18 i have zero recollection of the song title lounge act the song itself the lyrics don't resonate to me at all and I noted that it's kind of like the Pepsi of songs to me and that I forget about it immediately after experiencing it. Yeah. And uh, I, I was so shocked when I was looking back through the track list because I was going through like even like the, the non-singles like Breed. Yeah. Territorial Pissing. Yeah. Um, Drain You. Yeah. Lounge Act. I think someone like hacked my phone and like added this like, on to all physical <laughs> pressings of the album going back to the original presses. Um, Cause yeah, this song didn't like ring a bell to mm-hmm. me at all, which was what is insane. Cause I know I've listened to this album front to back so many times, but maybe it was like at this point in the album, I was like doing other things or whatever. Um, but um, I noted that uh, the song, I didn't note this is look. Sometimes I don't know how to start sentences. So I'm like, <laughs> I did this. So, I, technically, I did note this. I, I put a note in my phone. But this song is allegedly about Kurt's girlfriend at the time, Toby Vale, who was the drummer for uh, Bikini Kill, like I mentioned earlier in the, the episode here. Um, the song itself was named after the opening bass line, which reminded the band of lounge music. And uh, I really do like the bass sound on this track. Like, it has this, like fat kind of warm tone to it um and i like the overall tone of uh chris novoselic's like bass guitar on this album 
in full, but especially when it's like the the main or prominent instrument of uh, of one of these songs, I think it sounds the best. Yeah. What do you think of, of this song? Uh, well, I find it funny that you said you didn't remember this one and it doesn't really sound like them because the last song, uh, Drain You, I had said I didn't really remember it, but it sounded very Nirvana to me. And this mm-hmm. one, uh, my note was... Cobain sounds so different that I had to look it up and be like, is Chris singing on this song? Because <laughs> I didn't, yeah. it didn't even sound like him until he starts doing his Kurt Cobain screaming stuff, you know? Yeah. Then I was like, oh, that's mm-hmm. totally him. But like for a while, I had no idea. I, I So to me, it also didn't feel like a Nirvana song. Um, yeah. And the title of it doesn't sound like one either. I don't know what that is. Right. It was weird, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It just sounds like it sounds like a. a a throwaway yes. title for uh, like if you were watching a movie and they couldn't afford a real band or a real song, but your mm-hmm. your people are going to uh, a concert or whatever, or let's say it's a movie about a band and they had a song, it would be called Lounge Act, right? Because it's just Generic. like it's just throwaway. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Does it? Yeah, does it? Much. Does it bring to mind anything? It's just like uh, filling a title yeah. in a movie or whatever, you know. Um, well, good. I'm glad so we're kind we're of on the same, the, yeah. the same page here. Yeah. <laughs> <Move along>. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like Kurt sings in like a lower register on the song. So yeah, it's, it's different. Um, it sounds weird. It seems like the, the a lot of the, the stuff I, identif- I identify with most for Kurt singing is the more like uh, energetic uh, type of singing. Mm-hmm. Though there are like, you know, certain things like um, lithium or whatever um, that... I like the the more subdued vocals mm-hmm. that he has. Um, track ten is called "Stay Away." The song also refers to um, also refers. What's the first thing it refers to? God damn it, Brent! <laughs> the song refers to everything Kurt didn't appreciate or, or what he despised, uh, such as macho and overly masculine men, mass media attention, as well as uh, speculation and rumors. The line. I don't know why refers to how Kurt doesn't know why he has to put up with all that he hates. Um, it's a fairly straightforward rock song. Lyrically, verse three is the exact same as verse one. Um, so again, this goes back to Kurt not really like doing a whole lot of uh, high concept lyric writing, uh, but it, it fills space in the song. And uh, kind of like when, uh, you know, on, on tracks uh, one and three of this album where he plays the... Uh, his guitar solo is the melody, the verse melody of the, the, the yeah. The verse yeah. melody you know of the verse. That shit I said earlier. <sighs> We've been at this for a while uh, tonight. Um, you know what I'm, the fuck I'm yeah. saying. Uh, it's just like, you know, it's like a version of that. Instead of playing a guitar solo, it's just like, he's just repeating the verse again, you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> We've been recording for so long. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I just put, I kind of like this one. I don't love it, but I liked it. The guitar and the drums are, are pretty killer in it, though. And I uh, mm-hmm. ended up liking that one. But this is one that I didn't know before. So. Okay. <laughs> Should we move on? <laughs> <laughs> well, the next one tried... I have more to say about. So I was trying to get through that one. Okay. Quick. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. On, on 11? On a plane. Yeah. Um, all right. Let me see if I can stumble through these notes real quick. Um, <laughs> In a 1993 interview, Cobain said that the song was about classic alienation, I guess. 
uh, although he noted that he had to change his explanation every time he was asked about the meaning of his songs, saying that his lyrics were largely taken from pieces of poetry thrown together, and that his poetry was not usually thematic at all, mm. which certainly makes sense with a lot of the stuff on, on this album. Uh, the final lyrics were written at the studio shortly before the vocals were recorded, which led to the line, What the hell am I trying to say? Um, Kurt's lead vocals were done in one take on this particular song, and the song ends with Dave Grohl's vocal harmonies. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't realize how much Dave Grohl's singing was a part of this album. I know he was credited for backing vocals, but I didn't realize how much of that, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it's quite a bit. This is the quite one that you can really hear him because it just, mm-hmm. like, the whole song kind of stops and it's just. Is it him and Kurt then harmonizing at the end? Because it sounds like two uh, guys at the very end. I think they just double tracked his vocals oh, okay. from from what I heard. Gotcha. But it, from what I heard, from what I read. <laughs> when you were in the you were the fly on the wall of this recording session, you know you were there. I have done heard it from bitch Vig <laughs> himself. <laughs> Uh, but I, I, I liked this one. Um, mm-hmm. I put a note that I, I don't know it or the lyrics, but I found myself the first time I was singing it, I found myself wanting to sing along. And mm-hmm. I, it, because it's Nirvana, it doesn't really matter whether he's saying it the whole time anyway. It's like you feel like you can first time you sing it or, you know, first mm-hmm. time you hear it, you can sing along. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why. Uh, there's some other ones I'd put notes to that I liked them but didn't love them. That's kind of this one. But for some reason, like musically, I like this one more. Mm-hmm. And then I put it ends with those like, oh, voices. And um, that was interesting for the rest of them because this mm-hmm. song, I, I don't know, it's just like none of us in that way than in a rock song too, to end that way. It's kind of interesting. So, yeah. Faux show. Faux show. All right. So we're almost done. We're in the home stretch here. <laughs> so two more tracks to go here. So uh, I've got track 12, Something in the Way. Uh, the lyrics are a fantasy of what it might be like for a person living on the streets. Some people think it's autobiographical um, because Kurt had mentioned that, you know, when he was uh, younger, he was homeless for a time and uh, that he had like slept under some bridges or whatever. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's just like flowery language or how much truth is in that. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. Um, I spent uh, a lot of the past week uh, just making notes and... Uh, <laughs> I'm not not really looking to look more into <laughs> the deep meaning of this stuff. You know, how many more times is this going to come up in my life? I'll just point people to this podcast. Yeah, two twenty three. Let's talk about stuff. What is it? Well, it's a podcast. What is a podcast? You know what, Dad? Just don't even mm-hmm. just don't even don't worry about it. it. Don't, don't don't worry about it. Just it's fine. Look just it listen up. to the album oh. and you'll be good to go. It's fine. It explains everything fully yeah, right yeah. there. According to a January 2005 episode of Classic Albums, which I watched, there's, uh, I think it's on uh, YouTube in like five parts. I think there might be a four-part version as well. But uh, producer Butch Vig recalled that a frustrated Cobain uh, gave up on the original recording process for the song because of the band's inability to realize his vision. And um, he went to the control room with a 12-string acoustic guitar, and Kurt laid down his back or laid on his back to demonstrate how the song should sound and Butch scrambled to gather um, some microphones and everything and uh, he turned off the surrounding like ele- surrounding surrounding electronics <laughs> the phone the air conditioner Jesus fuck um, and uh, yeah he set up microphones and he like recorded this thing and the subsequent um uh, overdubbing process was arduous because there's no click track for the band to play with mm. and uh Kurt's like 
guitar and vocals that were recorded in that control room were like the master recording that they had to Ooh. sync up with and not the other way around. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. And there was an additional like uh, recording issues because of like uh, Kurt's vocals came in almost like a whisper or whatever. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, that would be difficult. And, uh, <laughs> You, you could tell I'm just like on fucking fumes here, right? Uh, the song features a cello by Kirk Chan. Okay, I was going to uh, ask lyrics. about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I thought it was a cello. Yeah. That was my question, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Asked an answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it had a, it's another thing with a string on it. Yeah. Maybe two. Um, <laughs> lyrics for both verses are the exact same, and there's a uh, remix of the song, not like a club remix, but like oops, um, oops, an oops. or <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> remixed by. It's like the slowest song on the record. I was gonna say Da Vinci, but it's Avicii, and I think he's fucking dead. So, <laughs> oh god, <laughs> an orchestral like remix of the song was made by the. Uh, the, the fucking uh, uh, music guy who is scoring the Batman. Uh, it was used in the first trailer for the Batman. The, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Twilight guy version of Batman, uh-huh. whatever. Robert Pattinson. So it was Rob, Robert Pattinson who was doing the music? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember who was doing the music for that. Is it Clint Mansell? Is it... Um... um it was, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to look that up, but it's hard to look up the Batman anyway. Michael Giacchino? Is it him? Yeah, that name sounds familiar. Okay, yeah. I didn't realize he yeah. was doing Batman until I just looked it up. So yeah, they had a version of that for the trailer, I guess, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, was it this song? Of the studio version by Alloy Tracks and Calvary Music that incorporates themes by the film's composer Michael Giacchino Spaghetti mm. and additional orchestral elements. So, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I remember hearing that in that trailer. I was like, "Ooh, I like this." Mm-hmm. But you know, that's where you, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. This was one of my favorites that I found on this listen because I didn't, I did not know this one. And I, I, yeah, I wondered about that. I thought this was something that might be more right up your alley. But yes. I was curious about the. The take on the vocals. I like it. Oh, uh, it sounds okay. haunting. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. haunting is a good word for it. Um, quiet. Yeah. yeah, for sure. That makes sense. Like he was like kind of whispering him and stuff. But it reminded me in, in some good ways about why I like the Airborne Toxic event. If it didn't remind me of a song of theirs, this the same kind of thing with the cello and the slowness of it. Like didn't doesn't bother me at all. Like in fact, I I embrace that. Um, and just mm-hmm. the feeling of the whole song, I just really liked it. Um, so out of the ones yeah. that I. Basically, I, I really liked the four singles that I knew from it. The rest of the songs were kind of hit and miss for me, um, which is probably why I'd, you know I didn't gravitate towards really owning this album before anyway. I kind of knew what I liked of theirs that were on the radio, yep. you know. But uh, this one, I definitely uh, gravitated, gravitated towards for this listen, so I liked this one. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so ending on a high note for you, maybe. Well, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so... There, Technically, this is a hidden track, but it's on modern albums. If you were to find it on Spotify or a streaming service or buy it on iTunes or wherever the fuck, this would be a 13th track on that album. Um, this song is called Endless Nameless. And um, really, this song is a take by the band. It's just like the band jamming out, yeah. essentially. Um, it was a after a failed take of Lithium. 
uh, Kurt said to Bitch Vig, hey, keep them tracks rolling, bitch. Mm-hmm. But he was, he was just, just like, you know, name. it's your name. It's, it's just your name. Yeah, yeah. It's just your name. I'm not trying to be, you know, anti-dog, anti-woman, whatever the mm-hmm. case. Um, and uh, Kurt began playing this song, and this is the version of the song that shows up on the album. So there is no... Um, just a jam session, yeah. Yeah, there was no, like, going back and overdubbing anything. Um, that makes more sense of what it is, then, because it's a weird song. Yeah. Um, Your favorite? Uh-huh. <laughs> Best song on the album. Um, Butch Vig <laughs> remembered that Cobain was really pissed off and thrashing and screaming during the take. He recalled, The rage and frustration in Kurt's voice was fucking scary to hear because he kind of lost it. Hmm. Um, it was, uh, like I said, recorded no overdubs. Uh, Kurt smashed his guitar uh, during the recording, which uh, halted recording for the day after the band realized it was the only left-handed guitar available. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yep. And then uh, Kurt himself was unsure of what he was singing during the performance, but believed the lyrics included the lines, I think I can, I know I can. And the final note is that the song was originally intended to be the hidden track after something in the way on the original pressing it was always intended to be a hidden track um, but on the first 20,000 or so pressings of the album it was left off by accident there was a miscommunication with the engineer um, but it was later included at the end of something in the way after Kurt called and and demanded that it be added back to it um, but yeah so it was supposed to be a hidden track but now it's like just a track that you can listen to. I bet those, like, first pressings are fairly rare for people, like, collectors and stuff probably mm-hmm. want those, you know? Yeah. Because not too many of them around. For how many of that they sold overall, yeah. that's crazy. Even though mm-hmm. 20,000 20, is a lot, but uh, about yeah. a lot of get lost and stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my first note for this was, um, so this one. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's where I yeah. was landed with that. We listened to this. We've been repainting our house and Amanda and I, so we were listening to this album, and then it got to the song, and her first note to me was like, uh, she's like, I bet Brent likes this one, because it, it's really, like, hard for a while, but then mm-hmm. it gets really weird, and it sounds like a James Bond theme to me, uh, oh, in the middle okay. of it. It's got this, like... Oh, what's that you say, Stevie? <laughs> I was in here my Porsche drinking milk, do it? What's up? What's up, It's got this kind of, like... Almost like a, like okay. a. It makes you think of like a James Bond surfer, like '60s surfer kind of guitar type of thing in it. It's weird. I don't know. It's got this oh, weird sound okay. that makes me. Think I get of what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, and then Amanda. So we're listening to it like loud on speak on a speaker, a Bluetooth speaker in our house. And there's no furniture in the house, so like everything reverberates. Whatever. She was yeah. down the hallway and like. She finally, it was on her phone. She finally was like, I, I, I can't, I can't anymore. I got to turn this off. Mm-hmm. And she looked and she was like, there's still three whole minutes of this fucking song. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like seven minutes long or something. It's a pretty yeah. long song. Yeah, and, some time on it. Yeah. yeah. And so she was like, I'm done. And it didn't really do much. It does the same stuff like over and over again, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I tapped out as well. I've, I've never finished it because uh, it wasn't for mm-hmm. me. I don't recall knowing that there was a hidden track. Uh, yeah, on this album yeah. at all. So I don't know if I had ever heard this before listening to it this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's possible I did, and I just never kept track of it because it didn't really... Yeah, just kind of like is noise at the end of yeah. it or whatever. Um, but it was okay. Like, it's not anything that I, I'm like clamoring to listen back to. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have the catchiness of a lot of the rest of the album. Um, but again, like going back to what we discussed earlier, Kurt had to focus on melody, and he didn't have a chance to write those melodies. It's all just like... yeah 
whatever was in his brain at the time or whatever, yeah. right? It's so, just a cool glimpse into that. Like, yeah. yeah, it was just a, a lot of like nonsense yeah. lyrics or even just like, uh, just like syllables that were coming out yeah. of his mouth. They didn't didn't have any like actual words in there, but uh, we did it. We did, we did the whole <laughs> album. We did the whole thing, and we're done. And we're done. We finally did it. We did uh-huh. it. Well, it was it was fun, man. It was fun listening back to this album, or listening it maybe for the first time in full for mm-hmm. for both of us seemingly uh, that you have mm-hmm. songs in there that you never remembered. So we definitely live in some sort mm-hmm. of alternate Berenstain Bears universe, as I like to think of it. <laughs> you know that it changed things and added songs to Nirvana's albums that we never knew before. So, but uh, mm-hmm. it was fun re-listening to those. This there's something about this band. I I wondered a lot. Revisiting this, had Kurt not killed himself and mm-hmm. kind of become such a figure that way, you know, that he died so young, so soon after their major success, I wondered, mm-hmm. you know, would would they, if he was still alive today and they still made music after this and, like, maybe they made albums that people fucking hated and, like, the, the tra- yeah. trajectory that a lot of artists go through, you know, where they're trying mm-hmm. new stuff and people don't take to it or whatever. I, I wonder if all of it kind of coalesces into like this is why this is so important in time but Mm -hmm. i still feel like either way this would have been there like it was at the time we we understand it to be since then for a lot of reasons but i feel like the music stands for itself and had he lived and and they had like a normal career after this you know like Mm -hmm. i wonder what would have been but i also think this still would have stood the test of time because it's just something special about it you know Mm -hmm. and his music um I totally agree with that. Um, and I also wonder if, like, if Nirvana were still around, would we ever get, like, Foo Fighters? You know? Yeah. Like, because that's... Totally. You've got, again, you've got one A, you've got one B, you know? Yeah. Like, it's, it's I think, fair to say, especially because I'm saying it. It's my idea, so I'm saying it. <laughs> and I'm going to agree with myself, just obviously. Um, but I feel like uh, Foo Fighters is the, like torchbearer for rock and roll in this modern era mm. that we call life mm. you know? wow deep most people like them if you don't like Foo Fighters dude I don't even f- think I want to fucking know you yeah. dude dude <sighs> I feel like I like like I love Nirvana <laughs> I love Nirvana and I love these songs but I'd probably like Foo Fighters like if they weren't just side by side and i was like well i can only listen to one for the rest of my life there are probably more foo fighter songs that are more fun yeah. mm-hmm. and they've done so much more music over time obviously you know they've mm-hmm. they've had the chance to and stuff but um yeah it's interesting to think of like that never happening and mm-hmm. when i did this research too like i don't remember the foo fighters in the 90s i don't know when i first really heard their music but i didn't realize mm-hmm. like he started that band immediately like the same year 94 that well, his band like, he started his first project mm-hmm. I, I learned that too that dave Grohl was like the only foo fighter at first yeah. and was doing all the music himself and then like got people to like tour with him and then like created the band but i didn't know it was right after this and i had wondered about mm-hmm. what happened with all of them you know after kurt killed himself and everything but um wow yeah that really propelled this whole new group that's you know stood the mm-hmm. test of time as well so yeah um and then also like one final note on like Nevermind by Nirvana is like the album cover. Do you know like the controversy around this this baby? Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the modern thing. Like um, it was like he like know. sued them recently, like this year. I think. Recently, yeah. yeah. Uh, the 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 baby 
has grown up and figured out what lawyers are. He's like, well, I'm going to sue these mm-hmm. people. But like, you know, I th- it, it seems like it's just like a money play for the yeah. whole thing. And then also like you evidently he's got like never mind tattooed across his chest oh really right so it's like i mean you can be that upset about i it, saw dude. so many things about him embracing it and being mm-hmm. like i'm the kid on the cover of this like seminal record you know that everybody knows and uh and now he's like it just seems like yeah i need some money money please um there was uh something that uh, one mr jeff fisher wrote <laughs> on our instagram page uh, regarding this album cover and uh, he said, it's so ironic that this guy is still reaching for dollar bills after all these years. I was like, damn, that's good, savage. Jeff. You got him. Way to go, Jeff. That's for my brother. I that's laughed good, so man. hard when I read that's that. That's pretty awesome. I was like, damn, it's perfectly said and executed. Yeah. God, his ass. I, uh, I read a quote from that era whenever, I guess because they had like taken the photo and then they were like, they had some Photoshop versions of it back in the day mm-hmm. uh, that they were like, we can take the penis out and release it. And mm-hmm. Kurt was like, we can put a sticker over it that says, you know, something to the effect of like, if you're offended by what's under the sticker, you're probably a closet mm-hmm. pedophile. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, basically it's like, it's a, it's fine. Like, are you just staring at this dick? If you are, <laughs> you probably are weird. And if not, yeah. you're probably normal. Let's move on. Like, Big deals, you know. So when I did the Instagram post for us showing that we're going mm. to discuss Nevermind, you know, I did the album cover. I found a version that is what you were saying. It's like Photoshopped. Yeah. The, 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 the schmeckle is uh, <laughs> Photoshopped out of it. Yeah. And I put that on there. And I was like, well, it's not the exact album cover, but like, are people going to be upset about this? And I put it on there. And I was like, I, f- I feel like no one's like really saying anything, but we're all like, we all know. Yeah, you see it, and you're like, something's <laughs> weird. Yeah. Something's different. There's no, there's no but nobody's going to be like, this? where's that little baby dick? It's like, yeah, no one's going to, like, voice, no one's <laughs> going to, like, angrily voice their opinions, yeah. you know? It's like, hey, yeah. if you're going to do it, do it right. I do find myself, like, when I had the, the Spotify open, and that mm-hmm. cover is, like, you know, right on the top of that or whatever, I did find myself, like, I don't really want to look at it a lot, though. Like it makes yeah, me I want know. to look away, yeah. uh, but it's, it's fine. It's whatever, right? It's just a little kid swimming, you know, but yeah, uh, but yeah, it, yeah. Is, it is kind of weird when you just have that up on your like giant mm-hmm. iPad screen and you're like, yeah, yeah, that's a little, weird. that's a little strange. Somebody walks in the room as you're listening to it. Yeah. You like scramble to put away your phone. What are you doing? Oh, I'm listening to Nirvana. <laughs> yeah. Oops. <laughs> yeah. Feels weird. All right. Way. Well, uh, yeah, man, it was a blast talking to you about all that stuff today and mm-hmm. next week. Next week, our final noisy November, right? Tis, tis. So, listeners, look, we've run the gamut of decades here, right? We've done 35 year anniversary for Metallica, we've done the 10 year anniversary. I'm sorry, 30 year anniversary for Metallica. Don't ever correct me on it. The 30 (laughs) year anniversary of Metallica with the Black Album, we did the 10 year anniversary. For the airborne toxic event all at once. And you know, honestly, we were like, damn, 30 years felt so good. Let's go back to that for mm-hmm. Nirvana's never mind. Yep. So now we decided to bridge that gap, do an anniversary in between those. And then we got brave. And we were like, no, let's go further. What? Let's go 35 years. <gasps> On the next episode of Let's Talk About Stuff, we're gonna do the 35th anniversary of the 1986 album. Licensed to Ill by the Beastie Boys. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. Oh, yeah. 
And luckily, it's only got like 13 tracks on it. And it seems like we really fly through these episodes. So that's good. Look forward to that, um, everybody. Mm-hmm. I certainly yeah. am. I looked through the track listings. It's another one that I knew so many. They had so many singles off of that mm-hmm. one. And yeah. uh, But I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever heard it in full. So I'm excited to go listen to that as well. I'm excited to listen to it. And I'm not at all excited to make notes about this fucking thing. So this is this is where we're living. That's uh, this is what we've done. That's what we do, man. <laughs> we get excited about yeah. something and then we're like, wow, this is a lot of work. Why did we do this? You know to how we do. You know how we do. You know. <laughs> But I, I don't know. People like these music episodes, I think. Yeah, I think overall. That's what I tell myself, so it's fine. And I, I enjoy discussing it with you. I think in particular the albums we chose this this month uh, have been really fun. So I know we also talked about doing Weezer, the Blue Album, which I would love to, to visit with you some other day. But I thought Beastie mm-hmm. Boys would really change things up on here, do something different. And uh, I've never listened. I don't think I've listened to a single album of theirs in full. So Really? Yeah. Okay. So this will be uh, they were, certainly fun. They were a staple of my youth, yeah, so right. it'll be interesting. And this is uh, before they really got into uh, playing a lot of live instrumentation. Mm. Um, so you're not going to have your uh, sabotages on there. You're not going to have your other songs like that yep. on so there. Sabotage. Just, okay. Yeah, just your sabotage. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you don't like watching music video. I won't hold that against you in court. Yeah. Or will I? Oh. Will Stephen be sued? Find out on the Wait, next me? episode of Let's Talk About Stuff. You're going to sue me? I'm going to see you right back, man. No. Are we friends still? You can't do it. No backsies. You, you're going to sue me and do a no backsies? Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. We'll see if that holds up on a court. It, it does? Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. I will see mm-hmm. you in a playground where I will beat oh, your fuck. ass. Shit. Steven's going to kick my fucking ass? Yeah. He's going to take that treasure troll right out of there. I'm going to take it out and just... Look at the disgusting hair on his head. Cups hey. of poop in it. Hey. Yeah. They keep that thing nice and tidy. <laughs> don't you ever disparage my butthole. Brent, I, I don't know why we're fighting. I, I, I feel like I went too far with the butthole comment. That's my bad. You can eat off of it. <laughs> oh, okay. You don't know me at all. Is that an invitation? Yeah, okay. See you at seven. Mm, you just put on a bib. What's for dinner? Gross. It's uh, it's Jack's Tentacle Shack. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> I save them, you know, from my other uh, ventures out, of course. Well, uh, yeah. definitely come back next week to listen to our Beastie Boys uh, review mm-hmm. of their 35th anniversary album, Licensed Hill. Yes. Because I, I suggested the other one because I was messed up on the dates and I thought Ill Communication had an anniversary. It does not. Mm-hmm. And now I'm well, like, look, you have so many ills. Yeah, there's so many ills. And as it relates to Beastie Boys as well, yeah. you know, so I was like, you know, it's easy to get exactly. them mixed up. But this is this is the one that's called License to Ill. And it has uh, an airplane's butt That's right, on it. airplane butt. Mm-hmm. I yeah. remember that one now. I remember that one. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's going to be yeah. fun to listen to. Um, you know, police call for it all the time, APB, airplane butts. Oh, wow, you know? I didn't realize that's what that was. Yeah. Put in an, APB, put mm-hmm. in an airplane butt. Yeah. So they're like viewing from the sky type of thing. We need an APB on the Beastie Boys. Oh, yeah. Come back now. Oh, wait. Our radios don't work. Uh Uh-oh, it's sabotage. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) It all came full circle. 
Uh, well, in the meantime, you can mm-hmm. contact us. All of our info for social media or email is in the show notes as usual. You can rate and review us on your favorite podcast apps. Five stars is always appreciated. And I look forward to discussing the Beastie Boys with you next week, Brent. I hope people listen to that album and come on here and listen to us talk about it for twice as long as the album was. <laughs> yeah. Maybe three times. I think that I think we're at three I times think on this on, one. Right, yeah. Oh, never mind. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it All was right. a blast, man. I really enjoyed talking to you uh, about uh, today's album. I, in my head, I kept being like Weezer, Weezer, Weezer. No, it's not Weezer. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's Nirvana. Listening to mm-hmm. uh, Nirvana's album and discussing that with you was a lot of fun. So, both covers were blue. You know, I'm not gonna fault you on that. How, yeah, I get some in my head. That's you get All it. All the band members are white. Yep. Uh, came out around the same era. Yep. That was like 94, Other right? similarities, yeah. Like yeah. That. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, yep. uh, I enjoyed talking to you today, Brent. I, I hope everybody comes back next week. And until next time, I'm Steven. I'm Brent. And let's talk later. Sorry about all the butthole talk. <laughs> Enjoy your breakfast. break in between talking about tracks six and seven on this album and you think that would like let me recharge and rest my voice or something uh-huh. but things just got so much worse for me <laughs> like my, my life really deteriorated you're like let's take a break i was like oh fucking great this is incredible because yeah, yeah. i can get some more water and rest my voice a little bit no it got so much worse and my brain was my brain <laughs> just thought mush. we were done it was just like yeah my, it started shutting up. You know, like whenever you like leave your your office for work, like you're the last person oh, at your yeah. office, and you're like, "Wait, let me turn off the lights and stuff." My brain was like, "Well, he's done We're talking, done. so let me just start shutting this shit down. <laughs> Let's turn off the electric to the tongue and uh, the vocal cords. We don't need that shit." Um, maybe if we can just go ahead and jumpstart the tummy growling. Oh yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. That's good audio stuff, you know. It's the but, best. Yeah. But it all worked out in the end because, you know, of the most revelation that we oh, had. Yeah. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. and yeah. you got to keep going sometimes. Even when your, you body's, keep going. your brain's still you know. Even when the listener base is like, two hours is a lot, but like three hours <laughs> is really? too much. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> I don't like the way this is edited at all anyway. I don't even know. I'm just going to skip the show. <laughs> Okay. You know what my favorite part of that is too Is that we've been trying to timestamp things better Like our main topics at least mm-hmm. And I was like oh cool we're gonna have that We're gonna have that main topic timestamp So if people do want to just skip all the butt the butthole talk And move to mm-hmm. that album And then we immediately went right back into a butthole <laughs> joke Right after we did that And I was like people are gonna get the full butt Yeah You gotta get the full fucking yeah. thing So if you missed a butthole joke Guess what you gotta go back and listen to the first 45 minutes of this fucking thing you're welcome. Yeah, exactly. And then on top of that, we have some porta potty talk coming oh, up yeah. after this. So enjoy that. Continue your breakfast. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Well, you got really surly at the end there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm tired. I'm cranky. It's, it's been a, been been a long recording. You've been bitch a lot lately, all right? <laughs> bitch big, you know? Hey, you should just change his name. It's you fine. Know, it I, works. I heard one time that um, he got a call from this guy, uh, really? Freddy Krueger. Really? Yeah. And they were, and, and Freddie was like, hey, <laughs> hey, listen, uh-huh. Vig, you are such a bitch. So that happened. <laughs> I was trying to set you up and we're both tired and I was like, oh, I don't okay. know. I thought you had something oh, you wanted no. to I was say. just trying to be like, okay. Freddie's going to call and Brent will do a bitch mm-hmm. joke. And then I was like, oh, wait, mm-hmm. I have to do a bitch joke. And then that's mm-hmm. what came out. Yeah. So that's three hours for you. <laughs> yeah. uh, I hope you like that one, boozy. <laughs> mm, I don't know. That was for you. Hey, he ain't saying nothing. He's just popping his lips a little bit. <laughs> Put a dick in there. I'll pop him on something else. <laughs> Damn it. I didn't write the uh, the break time. I forgot down. to. Yeah. Before I was going to ask if you. Um, put them. Let's, let's say. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't think it was that long of a break. Right. So we're saying. Uh, let's say 207 ish. I S H. There we go. And now it's official. Oh, you're still here. Okay. (laughs) You barely moved, and for a little while, I was watching you and being like, "Did it freeze? (laughs) Did it freeze? No, he's he moved. He moved. There he is. All right. Just catch up at your porn. Okay, got got it. Yeah, yeah." It's like, I don't remember subscribing to that, hmm. but it does sound interesting. Yeah. yeah, she. I mean, I've seen stuff with eels, but squid. <laughs> Not this. Oh, boy. Like, I'm into squid game, but mm-hmm. squid games, plural? Is it like an action porn now? You would watch that. Yeah. While eating calamari. I'd, I'd help make it, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Where won't the tentacles fit? <laughs> People have to think I'm like a weird porn freak on this. Oh yeah, show. But and in, in honestly, life. they probably suspected it yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. You For know? sure, that's fine. fine. All right, well, let's really talk about track porn. seven. Wait, what? What? What did you He's say? Really in the duck porn. Duck porn. Yeah, that's your favorite, right? The corkscrew penis. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about that. <laughs> Record. There we go. Excellent. Um, uh, So earlier today, as my wife was at a run, I did what I had to do and broke into a porta potty to (gasps) utilize its services. And uh oh. And as I was going, I was obviously I thought of you. I was like, I should bring this up on the podcast. People love this shit. Mm -hmm. But I'm bump. I did, spoilers, I didn't make a two. It was just a, a tinkle. And by the way, I don't know if you've used a porta potty port, port potty recently, mm-hmm. but they've got these little like uh, half thought given urinals in there now. Mm-hmm. Have you seen these? Are you on familiar the with these? Yeah. Yeah. I've like seen on that. the inside. Mm-hmm. It's like. It's you know, on the outside. You're exactly in the. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Like, honestly, any porta potty can have a urinal 
on the outside, you know, you just pee on the side of the thing. Oh, everyone is a, yeah, a urinal. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, but as a guy, like, uh, if you're, if you're going, um, what is considered medically tink tink, um, <laughs> in your porta potty, it's a very small room. It's like, what? Uh, <laughs> it's like three by three or whatever. Um, yeah, if it's, that. you're, you're like right there. Like you, you only have to turn like half a shoulder and you're facing the porta potty like urinal at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that the juice was worth the uh, metaphorical squeeze in this case to install a urinal when it's like the opening is right there for the toilet. It's not like uh, in, uh-huh. a, in a regular men's bathroom where you have the urinals over here. You got the toilets over here. You know, it's, yeah. it's all in the same tiny concealed area. That said. I did utilize it because it's fun, right? Uh, there's, of not a, there's nothing to aim at on the back. They, you know, it's they couldn't afford the sticker. Mm-hmm. But um, as I was going, I was like, oh, I should bring this up on the podcast because I know some <laughs> people have a uh, a reticence about using a porta potty. Yeah, I have no such uh, proclivities oh. about using one. I'm like, hey, this room is where you go to realize that you are an insignificant animal <laughs> lump of meat on this fucking mud ball. <laughs> This is the place where you go that upon walking up to it, you know, is filled with shit, piss and otherwise. Uh And you have to do the same. This is where all of humanity gets boiled down to being equals. It's the (laughs) most baseline point of humanity that we have. Uh-huh. Because yeah, I guess so. look, you're going in there. You don't want to be in there. It's it's you're suffocating from the fumes of all of this human waste that's mm-hmm. in there, right? And then you just try to hold your breath for as long as you can. That's a challenge, a fun challenge. Yeah. But you know, you don't certainly don't hold it long enough to where you pass out because if you pass out, you will collapse inside some doo doo. There's yeah. just no way Almost shape. All but guaranteed. Yeah. One hundred percent. So. Um, yeah, what what do you think? Are you are you uh, against using porta potties? Well, I'm glad you brought it up because mm-hmm. I generally am, and you know because of you know since COVID times and I'm not out in public as much, um, I get anxious about you know seeing people and then um, you know interacting with their feces. I would say. Um, oh. So in general, I would avoid mm-hmm. it for that reason. But it is like a, an enclosed space away from other people, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did want to bring up one thing to you because I, I, I feel like the last time I used one and, and the way you just described it, I think you're using it wrong because you're supposed to sit still on the thing. Even if you're using the urinal, it's it's a it's a twofer. It's it's saying, hey, put the poo down here. But also we have this other thing, mm-hmm. you know, for you to put your your penis in to pee so, into. OK, so as a as a guy, you yeah. sit on the toilet and then you and you're weighing toward mm-hmm. okay you have a, a little bit of an arc but it's yeah. i feel like it's doable depending Probably on how long gonna, you are yeah yeah i mean i feel like you're definitely gonna get some splashback most likely and it's closer to your face which is unfortunate but yeah but it, i mean in that way it's kind of like going to a gallagher concert you know mm. where it's like well he's gonna bring out these watermelons i'm gonna wear this tarp you know what i'm saying yeah so <laughs> when you when you pull out your your penis to go pee Mm-hmm. You say, oh, uh, time to bring the watermelons and you put on your tarp in case there's splashback. Mm-hmm. Is that that's right. Mm-hmm. Is that accurate? Yes. One hundred percent. Well, I'll, I I haven't seen your junk, but I imagine it is melanous. Uh, which is not cancerous. It's not melanoma. It's mm-hmm. it's just they are melon like, I, mm-hmm. I assume. Um, and so it makes sense that you bring in the Gallagher reference. But I find um, if if. 
if it's long enough, it just goes down the snake hole and you don't get the splash back. Just depends on like what you're working with. Like mine is huge, obviously. So just like even sitting there, it's, it goes up and then cu- curves over. Yeah, you just pop like a quarter a, of that bad boy out yeah, and lay like it over. A, yeah, it's like a bendy side. straw. Uh-huh. It goes and then it's like a direct to the right. Mm-hmm. You know, right into that hole. So it just depends what you're working with, I guess. And then later at dinner, you shave them into glasses, wear them on your face, and then dunk it into your drink. Yeah. Yeah. You've, you've been to a dinner party with me, so. Of course. Yeah, you get it. You get That's it. That's exclusively how you host. That's right. You're the hostess yeah. with the mostess. That's right. Yeah, Beetlejuice was all about you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says my name three times, and, mm-hmm. and I show up, and he's like, oh, man, this guy's mm-hmm. here, so. Yeah. And I brought Chuck Norris along with me because. We're going to start another insurrection. I don't know. Um, <laughs> isn't he like <laughs> Chuck Norris kind of like a conservative asshole now? Oh, yeah. I feel like he's yeah. one of those mm-hmm. guys, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, urinal talk. Uh, definitely, definitely great place to be. Spe- specific, specifically porta potties. Yeah. In yeah, that yeah. room. Uh, mm-hmm. A porta potty urinal is mm-hmm. my favorite. It's probably like number one urinal. You number know? one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> didn't even mean to uh-huh wow yeah pretty proud of that i got you mm-hmm. but let I me think, ask you this you're coming around on these porta potties yeah so. well, mm-hmm. kind of do you mm-hmm. much like a regular bathroom if you're in a porta potty you do take your pants all the way to your ankles is that correct uh i'm sorry are you asking me if i use the bathroom like every other person okay, on okay. the planet that's right okay uh, my bad yeah my bad my bad yeah and i lick my hands clean and then i <laughs> walk outside <laughs> Walk about seven paces and then pull my pants up. Yeah. Oh, you pull your pants up after. Okay. This is, this is we like, I'm sorry. Of course. Okay. Yeah. My bad. I didn't know. Uh-huh. I'm not as like civilized as you. Well, in some that's because you moved down there to Texas. You guys have your own rules down there. You know, you have to shoot your pee out. Yeah. You got to threaten it. You have to threaten, threaten it out of your, your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, yeah. it's a stand your ground law. Yeah. It's, um, it's about, yeah. And, and you can stand your ground against that pee. Mm-hmm. You say, no, get out of my body. You know, that's why every man in Texas has those Yosemite Sam mud flaps around their crotch. Yes. Yeah. It's to threaten the, the piss and sometimes sperm out uh-huh. of your oh, junk. Yeah. You got to do necessary. that too. Mm-hmm. Ah, I hate rabbits. <laughs> And piss. <laughs> but you, get out of here, yeah. come. Get out of here, come. <laughs> oh boy. Oh no. You, Is that what my yeah my annual you, um, Yosemite Sam get-togethers as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was also there for uh, the dry cleaning of Monica Lewinsky's dress. <laughs> Same thing was said. <laughs> same, yeah, same. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. But that was years later. Yeah. That was a whole different scenario. That's okay, right, for me to say that? Because I'm not disparaging her. It's I, not it her took fault, me a second because right? I was like, she's really cool. And I, I, I doubled backed in what you said. And I think, I think you're good. It's yeah. more like the dry cleaner said. The, the dry cleaner was yeah. just simply trying to get out of stain. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. It does, there's no fault. <laughs> you know? But there's only like so many, you know, um, uh, sperm related incidents on in pop culture uh, on clothing, you know, any kind of a sperm stain. Mm-hmm. There's only a few of them to talk about, and that's one of them. So do you think when Bill Clinton saw the movie, there's something about Mary and he had the cum on his ear? He was like, <laughs> yeah, 
I've been there, brother. <laughs> State of the Union, 1994. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, he is cool. He has an earring. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's kind it's of like, uh, gelatinous. It's interesting. It's like a dangly earring. It's a dangly. <laughs> it's pearl, but... <laughs> this is what the show has become. Um, do you want to sync with like a uh, pearl earring? Earring? Does that work? Yeah, we could do that. Pearl sure. earring? Because mm-hmm. yeah. it's just like a, such a good visual, you know? Sure. Mm-hmm. So I like that a lot. I do too, yeah. Excellent, excellent. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would like to note that um, Get Out of Here Come is one of the finest things you've ever said <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> well, I stand by it. So mm-hmm. that's good. That's good. We'll get some t-shirts made. There That's you right. go. Yeah. Get out of here, come. All the shirts are blue. <laughs> Off white oh, stand on the shoulder. My there parents go. are going to be so proud. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. So uh, <clears throat> what was it? Pearl earring? Is that Pearl right? earring. Yep. Pearl earring. Pearl The more I say it, it's hard. yeah, it's hard to. Mm-hmm. It's that they both have an E-A-R and they're, a, you know. Pearl earring. Pearl. 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 Mm-hmm. Pearl. Pearl. Pearl earring. Hmm. Hmm. This earring is perilous. <laughs> there is cum on my earlobe. <laughs> All right. Ben Stiller is irresponsible with his skeeting. Okay, I'm warmed up now. Yeah, that was good. That was a good one. Yeah. Pearl okay. earring on three to sync. Mm-hmm. One, two, three. Pearl, Pearl earring. A story in sound effects. L-P-A-S. <laughs>